When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to The Wheel Reads, a Wheel of Time podcast. Your hosts are Alan, Chris, and Ian. This podcast is safe for first-time readers with no spoilers. This week, we will be covering chapters 30, 31, and 32 of The Dragon Reborn, The First Toss, The Woman of Tanchico, and The First Ship. Enjoy! Welcome to Season 3, Episode 12. Um, moving right along. Actually, I think we're at the halfway point of Dragon Reborn. Are pretty close to it. Or I think we might have passed that. I think I called that out the first one, the Eye of the World, and I forgot afterwards. So we'll call this halfway. <laughs> Whether it is or not, this is the halfway point now. Um, Living on a prayer. So it's canon. <laughs> um, as far as housekeeping goes, a few things. Uh, first, no Patreons, um, which is fine. We don't need them every week. It's nice to have new ones, but you know we still love you. But I will say Iris, Iris Bear, which I don't know if she's in chat tonight, but she did up her her patron level. So thank Yay. you, Iris. So I know you've got a shout out once before, but I will give shout outs for upping your page or patronage because uh, that's awesome too. So sure. thank you. Um, as far as any other things like followers or Facebook, Instagram listeners, no major milestones. I mean, besides or we have more, but it's not like we haven't hit any major, you know, 2000 followers. Yeah. We're, we're, we're still ways away from that. Um, if we're, if, if we ever get there. Hmm. So, you know, um, right now just kind of keeping steady growing and, uh, enjoying it. You know, we did have a big boost, I think from, uh, from what on prime, you know, co-signing on us last week, but we talked about that last episode. So I'm still getting, I uh, can't get over it. So, um, I'm still know. high on that. Very high. Yeah. Which is Very awesome. Cool. You know, and it's, it's, and I, as I said last week, the open invitation is still there. If, if any of you guys from the TV show want to come on this podcast, it's a, it's open door. You guys can come on whenever you want. Um, you know, I mean, occasionally uh, content creators do get some pretty big guests. And tonight we have Malkir Talks. We have Rob, who had Michael Kramer and Kate Redding on his podcast recently and then turns around and comes on our podcast. So <laughs> as I said last week, uh, Rob, you peaked and then you decided just to start your downfall with us. Is that? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, if you're if you're gonna start the downfall, you've got to start it with the best. So yeah. oh, okay, oh, thank glad you. you're reaching back. You know, to try and help out. Well, this this is it. So you know, I'm I'm reaching back and be like, hey, you know, come with. Well, hey, you're ahead of me. Come on, let's be honest here. Like, I might have got Michael and Kate, but uh, you guys are, are much bigger than I am, and I, I'm happy to be here. I'm thrilled to be here. Like. 
I'm on halfway through Eye of the World on your episodes, and it's lovely to listen to. Um, so you know, I'm glad to be here, even though it's two books forever long. I'm just like, yes. So you're you're back when we didn't know what we were doing. Spoiler: we still don't. Yeah. But <laughs> it doesn't get better. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. Two episodes ago, we got mics, and it sounds fantastic now. Oh, yeah, awesome. We, That's always helpful. We, we upgraded microphones eventually. <laughs> <laughs> that happened like three episodes ago, though, so you got a ways of really bad audio. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, so, Rob, uh, go ahead and tell, tell us about uh, your, your channels, because I would say just channel, but you have YouTube, podcast, uh, you're like everywhere. Um, yeah, I'm, um, I'm like, uh, can, can I swear, by the way? Like, I didn't ask that. Oh, question. yes, but oh, more, yeah, so more, yeah. I'm a wheel of time. <laughs> you need to go first. Basically. Like, I, <laughs> I, I do fucking everything. Um, so I have a podcast, as is mentioned, mostly spoilers. Um, I do have a first-time reader who pops on once every because he's not reading much because uh, he reads on the way to and from work typically um so he, obviously being off work because we're both chefs he's not doing much of that so he's on like once every six weeks at the moment but yeah like once a month um otherwise other than that it is full spoilers so it's going to take you like six or seven years before you can listen guys um oh, obviously alan can that. listen but uh, yeah but you can listen to the kate and michael episode because that is totally spoiler three I, I did share with them also your reading of The Death of the Green Man. Because Which was awesome. Uh, yes, really because, phenomenal reading. Yeah, so I have to – yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed that. That was uh, an idea that uh, Ryan came to me with, and I was like, wow, this sounds brilliant. And we're going to do a couple of those per book as they work through. So I'm currently doing the Flickr book. Um, I'm, well, I haven't recorded it yet, but we're going to redo the um, Flickr scene. Oh, um, yes, can't um, wait. <laughs> for the great hunt and then i, w- I want to do barney blowing the horn just as a kind of like a little screw you to the innkeeper because <laughs> nice. he, he wants to cut the horn blowing at the end of the great hunt. so i was like yeah we're doing those two scenes so, so can, um can i ask though and and if you don't want to spoil that's fine but when when you're hitting the multiple flickers are you gonna just flicker 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 or are you gonna like christopher walk in that shit or are you gonna be like flicker Flick, flicker, <laughs> flick, flicker. No, I like, genuinely was thinking about this. I, w- I talked to Ryan uh, last Thursday about this, um, just before the show started. And I was like, I was like, I feel like sh- I was going to do a grown scene. And I was like, no, I should do flicker scene instead. He's like, yes, absolutely brilliant idea. And then I was thinking afterwards, I was like, how do I do that? Do I do it really quickly? Do I do it slowly and like try and be really dramatic? I'm not decided yet. So that one you, will be a surprise. You can do um, a flicker eighties montage and just bust out in some song <laughs> and like just have people chanting flicker in the background. Now you're spoiling my parody ideas. There is that coming up too. Yeah. Dusty wheels doing their, their, their parody. Um, yeah. And if I had any musical talent, I actually thought of an idea for it. Um, but I have no musical talent. So I'm, and I'm, I can't mention it because it's spoilery as well. So maybe uh, offline, I will share my idea at some point. Or maybe I'll, I'll, if you guys remind me in like three years, I'll tell you guys what my idea is. <laughs> okay, great, like, hold on. <laughs> Let me open my calendar. Put that in the calendar. There we go. Three years from now, safe <laughs> ask about Alan being creative question mark. <laughs> <laughs> that is so detailed i'm sure he'll remember that in three years time exactly yeah, yeah exactly 
Remember the time? No, I don't remember. You must remember that note, Rob Who, you know. <laughs> so yeah, so aside from the podcast, yeah, as saying, I do a YouTube channel, which has most of my narrations on because I'm, I'm kind of getting into that, um, doing that every sort of couple of weeks. And then I do cooking, things like honey cakes. Um, I made plum punch last week, which is brilliant. Um, making that at the next party I do. Uh, and then occasional just other random bits and live streams. I'm going to do like, you know, I'm doing a, um, a Valentine's Day special week after, well, in 10 days, actually, um, which will be spoiler filled because we're doing people from all over the series. But uh, Master Deck and I are just spitting names and uh, trying to make a crazy relationship happen. So it should be fun. And then I do dad jokes on Twitter, but I christen them as Tam jokes. Um, oh, that's sometimes they're spoiler filled sometimes they're not um usually i don't i don't try and put too much detail in to try and be like spoiled stuff but yeah there are there are jokes i make about things that happen much later in the books that you guys can't listen uh can't read but um sure yeah people like yeah, them. some of them, people some of them were so, golden though oh yeah sometimes i put up real stinkers and people come to me and be like what does that mean and then sometimes <laughs> i mean i did one and it's not it's not a spoiler because you know uh Oh wait, actually, I should probably uh, should probably check before I say that. Actually, but yeah, I, I did. No, do no, don't one. check. Just just run with it. <laughs> no, 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 no. Measure their seats. So I did a joke once. I got like like hundreds and hundreds of likes. Um, but typically, you know, they just they vary in popularity. It's good fun. Um, but yeah, I'm just uh, I'm DMing that uh, question now. I'll bring it up later if needed. So. But yeah, that's me. I, I do. Um, yeah, I, I help the uh, the puppets run their their live streams, um, and uh, I basically just pimp myself out for anything and everything. <laughs> well, I'm off we, work, and I love Wheel of Time, so you know. We we thank you for it. Um, and, and you're you're the wearer of really cool hats and have a really cool apartment or house with really cool lights in the background. Oh, those um, are my Christmas lights. Yes, I just I know, left those them up. I just change colors, and every every now and again, I change the layout so it looks a bit different. And uh, yeah, I yeah. have a tinfoil hat that uh, Michael, oh sorry, that Kate actually was obsessed with. So um, yeah, pretty fantastic. Cool. Well, one thing that we always do as well is we talk about a location that listens to us, which um, um, like a country or a state here in the in the states. Um, but but uh, since Rob gave it away already, I was going to say UK. Um, <laughs> <laughs> We have listeners in the United Kingdom, so thank you, Rob, for listening to us. <laughs> yeah, <you're laughs> but, but, but you, you guys um, are on Anchor, and um, Anchor will break it down just like um, the US stats and tell you whether mm -hmm. it's you know, England, Scotland, Wales. So do you have all four? Um, I, so yes, I will, if I click on it, yes, I can drill down. Yes, we have. I know. I don't know about Wales, but I know we have England. I know we have Scotland. Um, hold on. I know you a couple to... Welshmen we can get on there if we need to. Let me see yeah. if I can break it. Um, I've never actually drilled numbers. down to the UK. I know we have Ireland, but that, that, that's that's a separate country. Um, we don't I mean, Northern I only Ireland, drilled but... down because um, I, um... I, I started doing it for America. When I was listening, I was like, wait, I can drill down and see which state in America. So I went to Anchor and I drilled down. I was like, wow, I have so few. <laughs> yeah. uh, Let's we'll, see. We'll I'm, your I'm going on there right now to look. Uh, United Kingdom is actually our fifth most listened to. Uh, listened wow. to so I, I have England, Wales, and Scotland. Okay. So need Ireland. Okay. I need, well, I have, Ireland is a separate country, but I'll, I'll have Northern Ireland. Uh, you Northern Ireland. Sorry. Yes. 
Yeah. Um, so I don't have Northern Ireland. No one from Belfast. Um, we have Isle of Man, though, which is kind of. Yeah, we we have listeners Isle of Man, which I was. Now you gonna make me look? I need to go see if I've got Isle of Man now. <laughs> like, like, that's really cool. Like, this, this is this is like where I'm from. Like I should have Isle of Man before you. This is not fair. I know. <laughs> Reel it in. It's uh, it's that little country that no one's ever, no, no one remembers about. It's like, yeah, oh, yeah it's there. <laughs> it is there. Yeah. So, um, as far as personal life goes, I'll start. Um, I'm drinking again. Yay. Um, so if you guys have been listening for the last month, um, I did a dry, uh, January, not because I was doing dry January, which a lot of people would do, but, um, my wife and I, we did whole 30, which is a whole diet thing mm-hmm. where no alcohol is involved and you eat like whole foods. So you can wow. still like have, but you can still have like potatoes and yeah. so that's a whole food and like, you just can't have grain. Um, so you can't oh. have like bread, um, or alcohol. The only thing you can drink really is coffee and water and juice because it's whole, like whole, like anything's whole, like not mixed with anything. So, so yeah, um, my my wife's like, you know, so we were done uh, yesterday was actually the first day where we were, we were free of it. And she's like easing into like reintroducing foods. And like the first thing I did was like make pasta and open a beer. And I was like, I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) Did it make any difference to you for the month? Like, not really. Um, No, because I mean, like once I, uh, once I found the ways like to cheat it, like to have like savory foods, like French fries all the time, like as long as I have my own hand cut French fries, then I can eat French fries all I want. So like. It wasn't healthy. <laughs> oh, so although you stuck to the, the whole food, you you cheated to get food you enjoyed that was still bad. For well, you. I mean, no, I mean, it, but it still fit the perimeters. So as long as it's, like, so everything was like everything was like, over mashed potatoes. Like <laughs> it's like a shepherd's pie every single night, pretty much. Oh, oh my god, that sounds amazing! Right, okay. it was making shepherd's pie tomorrow. I could do that diet. Count me in. Mm-hmm. Minus the whole uh, not the, drinking thing. The the people that do whole thirty. The quote unquote, the way it's supposed to be doing, you try to only eat foods that have one ingredient. So if right. you're eating an apple, you're eating an apple. If you're eating a potato, you're eating a potato, not French fries, which would have like oil and fries. Depends. Yeah. If you're using like a nice natural oil and you're baking it and everything, you can kind of. Yeah, that's what, we, that's what we were doing. Yep. And to be fair, like you guys eat pretty clean anyway. I've been to we your do. house. So the whole thirty wouldn't do too much for you guys. Yeah, <laughs> nah, not that really. Besides, just kind of alcohol is the big thing. So pretty much. Um. So yeah. So that that's uh, so I'm, I'm drinking. I'm drinking nice and trim. So I'm drinking a stout now and uh and enjoying actually recording while drinking again versus recording sober. Okay. <laughs> well, we enjoyed you when you were sober too, but well, that's back. the important thing, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I told my wife that too. I was like, "Yeah, so people are complaining about me sober recording." She's like, "What, what does that say about you?" And I was like, "What, what, do, you, what do you mean? What does it say about me?" <laughs> there weren't as many shirts. Like there was not as much sharing while you were sober. So <laughs> Alan throws sure. on his mushroom costume and goes, "Well, it means I'm a fun guy." <laughs> I approve of this joke. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. So, how about you guys' personal life? What's going on? I'm going to keep on the trend of the online dating shit because this one's, it's not funny, but it's funny. And it, it's it's kind of the story of my life. 
Uh, I'm actually very bad about having meaningful conversation with somebody that I've only met online. Uh, so there's a balance of me not wanting to come off as a creeper and being like, hey, we should just meet right off the bat, right? Because I guess that's what creepy people do. I don't know. Um, so anyways, there's this there's this one girl that like for almost, well, almost since the beginning, what, am, what have I been doing this, three weeks, a month? Anyways, whenever Forever. I really started this, uh, yeah, for a while, this online dating thing, there's one I've been talking to and like super promising, super cool, very attractive, smart, uh, you know, financially successful, stable and all that jazz and, you know, church going, we're kind of with the same belief background, like everything great, right? And so finally, we kind of, hey, we commit, we're going to go meet up. Um, and last second, she cancels because she's not feeling well um, and like COVID type symptomatic. So she wants to get tested. And, you know, I'm totally fine with that. No need to force the issue. But I'm thinking to myself, well, you know, I'm not just going to cancel my weekend. Um especially over somebody I haven't even actually met yet. So I go to meet up with a former coworker uh, in generally the same area where we're going to go anyways. We go have a good time. It's totally just a friend's thing because we were just really good friends. But there happened to be a post on social media that this other girl was able to see. And ever since that post hit, I've been 100% ghosted. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. no response back nothing and god i know there's people out there go i know there's people listening right now being like well yeah because he totally did an asshole move like oh so she can't go out so you just go with some other female da 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 da, da and look but that's totally no, not what was going through my head at all <laughs> it like it was it was just i don't know so anyways now i'm bumming this is how stupid yeah. i am I spent a day feeling bad about myself over this girl I have not even actually physically met yet. <sighs> this online dating, mm -hmm. she's so stupid. Girls so, have so much You are power. not the asshole in that situation. This, this reminds me of a very small version of a hilarious story. So I'm going to go on a quick story time, and then we'll go to you, Chris, uh, just because it's – I'm not going to name names. But I have a friend, and they're actually now married now, so this makes it even worse. But he was dating this girl, and now they're married. And they broke up right before another mutual friend's wedding. But they were already both invited. So they called both individuals, the guy and the girl, and said, hey, you guys are still invited. Just don't bring plus ones because we want to have a nice wedding. Um, you know, Because they had just broken up right before the wedding. Mm -hmm. So, of course, the guy who um, is a prominent guy in our community, uh, he knows who this guy is. But um, I'm not going to say names because of podcasting. Sure. But um, uh, he... Uh, brought a plus one, uh, a girl, a date to um, this wedding. So his ex was livid and pissed off and probably somewhat rightfully so. But the way that she handled it was probably not appropriate. So he had taken his his family car, which was a 1968 Thunderbird convertible. Oh, yeah. Um, down to Nag's Head for this wedding, which is in the Outer Banks, uh, the beach community. She went down the Nags Head Pier and bought buckets of chum, like fish guts, oh. and went and proceeded to pour it all inside the family Thunderbird. Oh. And all the seats, because angry, uh, scorned woman. Um, so cops were called. It was pretty bad. Like, like I said, they're, they're married now. <laughs> like, <laughs> but um, um, 
So but, when so you're telling this story about being ghosted, together? it could have been worse. Like, are you, you know, are you trying to them. tell me that with <laughs> the girl that ghosted me because I hang out with a friend, are you, are you trying to tell me there's hope? Is that, yeah. is that the moral of the story? <laughs> I, I, I think it, it just reminded me that she like, she saw another woman and she goes to you. I was like, it could have been worse. She could have poured fish guts in your car. Like, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's true. I wow. Guess. Yeah. I mean, um, and, and they're, and they're married. Um, yeah, they get back together and they got yeah. married. Uh, <laughs> Anyways, it's, it's healthy. And if, so if that wasn't enough and then, and then we can move on, Chris, I swear uh, tonight, my kids, uh, all of them, including my 17-year-old daughter, they messaged me and they're like, hey, let's get online and play Fortnite together. Now, this is huge. I, I know I said 17-year-old daughter. 17-year-olds um, don't give a flying bleep about their parents, right? They, mm -hmm. you know, she has school, she works, and she hangs out with her friends. And I totally get it. Rarely do we have a lot of fun time. So I'm super excited. I go to log on. Wouldn't you know it, Fortnite is pushing out an update right now. And you can't play until you get the update. And I go to download it, and it was saying like an hour and a half to finish the download. So that oh. was the extra. That was the last. And then, of course, they were like, well, we're going to go play. So bye. <laughs> Happy Tuesday. <laughs> so I'm on my second bottle of uh, Beaujolais. Is that how you say it? How, how does Sean Snee say it? Beaujolais. I think you say it something like, hold on. Beaujolais. <clears throat> yeah, that's it. That's how I say it. That's how you say it. Yep. yep. So, Chris, what's going on in your world? Anyway, like I was saying, I'm chilling, relaxing in Charlotte because of the snow that we were supposed to get back at home, which we didn't get that much at home, but I would have had to have traveled through Raleigh or Durham or one of those, and they got a pretty good amount of snow, so... Headed back tomorrow morning. I was going to head back today, and I was like, oh, no, because I don't want to miss our recording. Tonight was pretty awesome. Um, this is going to be a long stint because I'm going to be back probably for the entire month of February. Um, not, I don't think I'm going to be back in Charlotte just because I've got my wall project to finish with the chiropractor and her husband. And then um, – collegiate track and field has started back up so i will be hopefully going down to the school that i are over to the school that i coach at to do some in-person training one weekend and then the end of the month um i we have a track meet coming up so my my athletes are going to get a week and a half maybe two solid weeks of training before they head into their first meet so it's going to be horrendous Oof. so yeah not fun <laughs> okay they get a lot of cool ideas from different people about um the project that i'm working on for the near future that i discussed last week can't talk too okay. loud about it but i appreciate everybody's input i do read even if i don't respond so thank you all very much and got some pretty funny excellent ideas um one of which was like every time you get an awkward moment squat down on one knee I'm like, that's genius. <laughs> and then I'll just reach to tie my shoe. And, you know, tell, I'm telling you, me going down to tie my shoe was very difficult. Being 6'6 six, six and 340 pounds, I do not like to go down. So she'll definitely think something's going on every time I go to my meet. Well, and I'm going to I'm going to pray for her then because <laughs> – and for you, I mean, you need to get over it. And... <laughs> She's going to have to pick me up off the ground every time. <laughs> yeah. 
anyway. So, so for, for you, uh, uh, Rob, uh, 340 pounds is 24 stones. You know, since <laughs> okay. no, I I assumed it was somewhere over the twenty stone mark, especially when you threw in six foot six. I was like, even a six foot six guy is gonna be heavy, um, just because of the height. But like, okay, I mean, yeah, yeah that, that's all the way hall right now. <laughs> if you've ever tossed a caber before, Chris could do one in each hand. <laughs> well, well, eating no, no, wait, wait, wait! Isn't Chris like just the the caber to be tossed? Yeah, Chris actually does highland competitions. So do the, wow. the only thing I haven't thrown. Oh, yeah. well, that's what this I want to see. <laughs> well, they won't let done... they won't let amateurs who have no um, actual training do it at our you know in our competitions. Sure. But I have definitely a thrown stone. I've thrown kegs for height. I've thrown stone for for. Di- Distance and technique, a thrown hammer, uh, picked up the the heavy weights to set on the top stones. of the kegs. Yeah, the stones. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so, that's tough. Yeah, I picked up the largest Great. they had, so that was pretty awesome. They gave me a nice shot of really expensive uh, How much scotch. was that one? That one was 340 pounds. And you lifted it up. <laughs> yes, off the ground onto the... Yeah, it's, it's right next to the barrels, isn't it? So it's not like you've got... You've got to like work your way around the middle of the barrel that sticks out and stuff. That is that's tough shit. I, I'm impressed. Yeah. Wow. But Chris is like our strongest man. Um, he, he's our he's our he's our bodyguard when we go anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> he, he is he is that bouncer for the club that everybody agrees with. <laughs> yeah. There's there's actually locally there's a bouncer. Uh, his, they, they called him Fridge because he just looked like a fridge um like a refrigerator and um he was like six eight and gigantic <laughs> <laughs> wow fun times you just yeah. you listen so, to what he said oh yeah yeah right away so rob anything going on in your world oh there's so much happening in my world like i get up every day and do shit around the house um <laughs> <laughs> well, so it's Groundhog I'm, Day again. It is Groundhog Day again. Yeah, so I'm a kitchen manager for anyone who doesn't know, and um, my kitchen has been closed since the beginning of November. They did a one month lo- uh, lockdown, and then they brought in restrictions to deal with new stuff um, in December. And the restrictions in Manchester said, "Hey, you've got to stay closed." And then they brought in a bigger lockdown yeah. in January. And so, yeah, I haven't been at work since November. So I've just been doing way too much stuff around the house. Um, exciting thing this week, though. It's, uh, I have a savant touch for aloe vera. Don't know why. And I brought one plant six years ago. That plant became three plants. Those three plants, uh, you know, a few years later became ten plants. Um, last year, during the first lockdown, those ten plants became twenty. And it's time to repot them. So tomorrow they're becoming at least thirty. Fantastic. I think it's time to sell some. Um, <laughs> yeah. I've tried giving them away and nobody wants them. So I was like, right, well, maybe people will want them if I sell them. I don't know. But yeah, I've got uh, some new get... pots. I've got some dirt and uh, I'm going to, to repot them uh, or the ones that are just growing exponentially and um, yeah, then, and do yeah, something with go, them. Go old school, get your wagon, pull into the middle of the town, pop <laughs> up behind a curtain with some of your aloe plants in a jar and be like, you're worried about the COVID? I've got the most perfect COVID cure for you. It cures all your ailments. And then sprinkle cocaine on it, because that's what they did with everything. Oh. A little cocaine on it and 
you yeah, know, something yeah. like that. And yeah, you'll be fine. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Aside from that, I've been doing some of the online dating, like uh, like a good man uh, there. And uh, I've, I'm striking out, mate. So, uh, you know, have no fears. I'm not even getting ghosted. So don't panic. <laughs> is it, are, is, are there at least entertaining like conversations here and there? Like I'm, I'm striking out, but there's, I, some, I, there's some funny stuff that's been happening along the way. There, there was one this week where, so um, on, on the profile, it gives you an option to put up like, you know, different funny things like, Oh, this, this is what you can expect if you date me. And there's a picture or like, you know, this is how my mom thinks of me or, um, you know, this, this was the, the funniest day of my life. Um, and you put up a picture that matches the, the, the quote you can put up just quotes and one of them is an option for two truths and a lie so i put up two truths and a lie and someone messaged me and was like i think my two my two truths and a lie were um i lived in new zealand um i've got to have to think um i cooked steak for gordon ramsay and he liked it and i forget what the other one was now um i'd have to look I, i'm a youtuber <laughs> <laughs> oh, I actually wrote this profile like a long, long time ago before I met my ex. Um, so years ago, and um, I just sort of like update the pictures and kept the, the messages the same because I was like, hey, it's it's pretty much the same sort of stuff. And um, oh god, I can't think. Oh, I can't even. That my no. profile's not even working now. So. Oh, well, I can't remember what it was. But anyway, they they thought it was cooking a steak for Gordon Ramsay, and no, I have not cooked steak for Gordon Ramsay. So, no. but they had two truths and lie on theirs, and it one was uh, been skydiving, another one was I'm learning sign language, and then the third one was I'm allergic to strawberries. And I said, well, you're doing archery in one of your pictures, so I, that makes me think you're adventurous and you would do skydiving. Um, you've got a kind face. I was trying to be complimentary, obviously. Uh, oh, hey Genuinely did have a kind face as well. So I was like, you look like the type of person who would be like, I want to learn sign language. And I feel like if you were allergic to strawberries, you would have said that in your profile. So I think that's the lie. I was right. So bingo. Mm-hmm. So y'all are lie. married, right? You're married? <laughs> well, you, she that's couldn't the guess way. mine, but I could guess hers. And I think that might have scared her off because she's then since mm. not replied. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it happens. So, so you need to lead with, uh, I'm a YouTuber. Cause that's, that's like, a really, that's people are into do, that. Yeah. Yeah, I make yeah, all that YouTube that. money, bro. <laughs> it's like so. I, I, I have a friend that's like I, I, I say friend. He's a co. He's a. Uh, in, in my industry, we have wholesalers. So he's a wholesaler of my sales products to me. Um, so I say friend, but because because we go and have beers all the time, and he's a friend of mine. But um, I've known him from in a business sense for years, and he's never told me he's professional knife thrower. And oh. I was like, and like so, like no, he's ranked worldwide. He's like eighth in the world and throwing knives wow. and, That's awesome. and and so like we've had like tons of beers together and like one night like we're just drinking at a bar and this was about a year to a year and a half ago or so and like it comes up in conversation and i was like why didn't you lead with that man like i mean like i would start every <laughs> single like, the, like, like I everything yeah the first like when he goes and like pitches to like to like you know trying to find new clients and like pitches a product you should lead with the fact that you're a professional knife thrower first. And everyone's like, I'll buy this product. <laughs> like his business cards, he should just hand to everybody. It should say his name and then professional knife thrower. And then on the backside, be like, no shit for real professional knife thrower. <laughs> How impactful. And then in, in right at the bottom, by the way, I sell shit too. Um, right. Yeah. By, <laughs> yeah. By the way, I was like, yeah, and like, and then he starts going on. I was like, well, I mean, like, what does a professional knife thrower do? He's like, well, we compete worldwide. He starts going to the competitions and everything like that. And I was like, I was like, well, that's kind of cool, you know. And, and then he's like, yeah. And also, I was the official thrower for Walking Dead set that's brought on to train all the 
all the actors in Walking Dead have to throw their tomahawks and knives. And I was like, wait, what? now, now, now we've hit a whole new, and he starts pulling his ticket, bit your phone with all the pictures. And I'm like, all right, now, no way. Now, 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 are you? now, <laughs> now this is, now this has gone too far. What does he sell? Fin- Cause I want to buy offended. some. Yeah. Hit me I'm in the DMs. Tell me what he sells. If he sells vacuum cleaners, I just bought one the other day. I'll buy another yeah, from him. I'll buy another one. I'm going to buy something. Like literally, him. I was like, I'm offended yeah. now. You never told I, me this. I'll, I'll pay for shipping. So in the UK, you're like, come exactly. on. Exactly. So, so of course my mind of course is like wait you work in movies you teach knives well there's a new tv show called real time being made <laughs> <laughs> yes yes and knives are used a lot there's and knives like, are thrown yeah. yes. <laughs> right. and then he's like wait how many books you're fucking crazy <laughs> it's job security. <laughs> wow and anyway. also like when the zombie apocalypse happens he's got actual practice in a zombie yeah. environment so yeah He's winning at life. He is. So anyway, um, let's move on to um, uh, predictions. Since we, yeah, actual content for the show. <laughs> um, okay, cool. Thanks so much. I'll see you later, guys. You know. So last week we had um, Elsie is Lanfear. Um, we had the other chick, the old chick inside the the the, Sylvia, the tier. Sylvia. Sylvia, yeah, that she's Lanfear. Um, um, that everyone is Lanfear. Yeah, pretty much. And uh, yeah, Celine's Lanfear, Elsie's Lanfear, uh, Sylvia's Lanfear, everyone's Lanfear. Uh huh. Um, the sword. Um, and this is an old one, but it's brought up again last week. Was a sword that cannot be touched. Um, um, it's going to be got through dreams. So. Okay. Everyone is sus. Which uh, everyone then, is uh, totally sus. And this is an old one, but I think it applies especially these chapters. Is Ian's was wondering, you know, Perrin's while well, uh, our 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 power is he's talks to wolves. Rand obviously his powers that they can use power. <laughs> and Matt's power, Ian predicted, was that uh he's the wild card. Which I so, think this okay. kind of fits. I think you may have hit the nail on the head. <laughs> It's we can make the case, can't we, Chris? We can. I think indeed. we can. I think yes. we can. Yeah. Challenge accepted. There we go. <laughs> cool. All right. So with that being said, let's move right into chapter thirty. The first toss. Wait. And I. What? Wait. Sorry. Yeah. I have to do this. Yeah. I'll be quick. All right. Every so often, uh, we have we have people in our our Patreon group. We have people in our Discord that talk to us about our episodes and this community is fantastic. They don't spoil anything and they don't try and change the way we think about anything. But every now and then, if we say something that is so far off the mark, enough of them will message me and say, bro, you need to reread this sentence or this paragraph or this sentence or this paragraph. And after the last episode, I had six people hit me about, Hey, you need to reread this sentence about a specific character. So if I can, I'll be quick. And it's not a full retraction, but it's a recognition that perhaps there's more to what's going on than what I talked about in the last episode. Okay. Okay. So this is going back to Teleron Riyadh, uh, right after Egwene left Rand. And she's thinking to herself inside of her head, you know, I've learned what, that the Dark One is still after Rand. I already knew that. But maybe the Dark One wants to kill him. Mm, that's different. Unless he's gone. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, light Rand. And then she took another long breath to calm herself. And she says out loud, the only way to help him is to gentle him. She muttered. And and that's really where I got stuck. Because that was the first thing that came out was her thought. 
you know, the only way to help him is to gentle him. And when I say thought, I'm thinking, you know, cerebral from the mind. You know, as well, go ahead and kill him. It's kind of that combination of the mind and the heart thinking together, stomach twisted and knotted. I'll never do that, never. And I got stuck on the her first her first thought being uh, needs to be gentled, yada yada yada, killed. But what's highlighted here is more the conflict of what's going on between what she's been taught should happen to a person like Rand growing up and what she's been taught even recently and what's being spoon fed to her, what needs to happen. And there, there's definitely this conflict going on because her heart is definitely telling her something different. I mean, her stomach twisted and nodded. So anyways, if you happen to be one of those listeners in the last episode that was like, Ian is way off. He can't read blah, blah, blah. Well, thankfully for your sake, there were a couple of people that pointed out to me and I did go back and reread it. And I'm not completely retracting what I said, but they made a good point. There was more to it than that. Just just to clarify, I have to buy audiobooks for Ian because Ian actually can't read. I can't read. <laughs> That's where all your patron money is going, is my Audible account. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's Ian's Audible account, so you can buy audiobooks for him because uh, yeah. he can't read. It's yeah. I mean, that's a valid use for Patreon money in my book. Yeah, actually, like, it is. He's producing or half producing the content that everyone's enjoying, the patrons are paying for. He can't produce said content without access to the material. So, right. I think I think you're solid there. Go for it. It's fine. Well, this point. is what's going to rack people's brains because this is the not this is not the first time my inbox has been blown up after an episode of like you should reread this, you should reread this. But ninety nine times out of a hundred, I reread it and go, nope. I like what I said, <laughs> I <don't know. laughs> but this nice. one, I reread it and I was like, ah, that's, I wasn't being totally fair. And I wanted to make sure moving forward in my own mind, I wasn't running with that bias that I established. Cause I, I do think mm-hmm. I was off. There's a conflict going on there and I was too sure. harsh. So anyways, that's it. So the icon for this chapter is dice. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I never go back and reread anything. Sorry, guys. Maybe one day. One day. There you go. Yeah. So let's go ahead and start this chapter. So it starts off with uh, Matt in his room. Uh, he's been eating a lot and planning because um, he's trying to escape now that he has his letter. And we get a visit from Anaya, uh, one of the Aes Sedai, who comes in and uses the power on him, um, has his chill, um, gets cold, and he realizes the power being used on him. Um, and you know, he's been asking for more food. Obviously I think he's been storing that up so he can take it with him. And we have this whole scene where she's thinking that, you know, he's plan. he kind of sees through him. Like he's planning to escape and tell him like, yeah, you should do that. So let's start there. <laughs> well, did she really like, but I mean, it, it was just funny because the way Matt described his interaction or his thoughts of his interaction, he kind of thought of her more in the, the mother figure, which is the first time where Matt really discusses his mom and how he's like knowingly mischievous and he tries his hardest to get away with it. Yeah. I just thought that was really, really neat that we kind of get that, you know, insight on Matt's life now, which, you know, again, we, we've been looking for Matt chapters for a couple books now. So it's kind of good to hear him go back and talk about that. 
okay, so you nailed what what I was hoping to talk about. Uh, it seems random and maybe a loose connection, but when we started getting our Matt chapters, one of the first things I complained about is that we didn't get Matt chapters pre-Dagger. We didn't get Matt chapters pre-him getting healed by the eyes to die. So how, mu- how much of who he is is because that's who he's always been? Or how much of who he is now is because of Dagger and what's happened to him? But in a very subtle way, we get these this nod right here where he's referencing, comparing his interaction to how he used to be with his mom and how he would try to get, get away with stuff and read this. So I know it's it's a huge stretch, but it still gives us a taste of Matt from Matt's perspective before. Yeah, and hopefully, hopefully that's what you were saying, because that's that's really that that's the big thing I got out of this uh, early interaction here. Well, yeah, and I completely agree with you. I mean, when you look at the actual moment, she was like, you seem much better. She told him smiling. Her smile made him think of his mother. Even hungrier than I expected, so I hear, but better. I am informed you are trying to eat the larder's bear, which I have no idea. Larder's, is that a word for pantry? Believe me when I say we will see you have all the food you need. You do not have to worry that we'll let you miss a meal before you are fully well again. It says he gave the grin he used on his mother when he was especially wanting her to believe him. I know you won't, and I do feel better. I thought I might see some city this afternoon. If you have no objections, of course, and maybe visit the inn tonight, there's nothing like a night of common room talk to pick one's spirit up. He said he... He thought her lips twitched on the edge of a bigger smile. No one will try to stop you, Matt, but do not try to leave the city. It will only upset the guards, and you will bring nothing but a trip back here under escort. He's like, I would not do that, I said I. The Emily seat said I'd starve to death in a few days if I left. He's so like... Uh, yeah. And and it doesn't say this, but I picture Matt with like a shit eating grin the entire time. He's yeah, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ian's face. It's a bad He's Ian's smile. <laughs> yeah. I so th- this interaction. I mean, I I could probably give a half a dozen stories. I w- so my dad was career Navy, um, so he was out to sea quite a bit. Um, so. When my dad was around, I was never so bold. I just always assumed he was like some super secret spy and I could never get anything past him. But when he was out to sea, I would try and pull shit over on my mom all the time. And at the time, I thought I was like getting it past her. As I got older, I've realized that she always knew and she let me make my dumb mistakes as long as they weren't too dumb. But like I've had so many conversations of like, yeah, mom, so um, oh, the, the worst is before I was even driving. Yeah, so if you could just drop me off at this out here, whose house is it? Well, I don't really know, but it's uh, and then I would pick the name of some kid that we go to church with, hoping that would help. <laughs> but it's so and so's best friend's house, and da-da-da, and I would just butter it up, and she'd go to drop me off, and like the music's thumping, anybody you could see through the windows walking over the house, clearly not like adult age, you know, and I'm in my mid teens and everything, and you know, I. I'm thinking of one particular time where she just like kind of took a sigh and she was like, okay, do you have my phone number? Do you have da 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 da? 
at the first moment you feel uncomfortable and you need a ride, just call this out and the other. And she played it super cool and whatever, but she knew I was feeding her bullshit. She was pretending like she didn't know I was full of shit, but also, you know, <laughs> making sure I was covered at the same time. Like there's a little, there's a little bit of this going on here. Although, yeah. although she thinks there's no way. Well, I don't know. Now I'm jumping ahead because I actually think that yeah. there is a way that she knows that might Matt might actually be sure dipping out. But anyway, so, so Ian, Ian, you're you were good about it. I was just horrible. Um, you know, thinking back to my high school years, I would tell my parents like, "Yeah, we're going over to Dave's," and of course, I would just go Red somewhere flag. else. <laughs> and they would drive past Dave's house and like, I got home. I was like, I didn't see your car there. Where were you? And I was like, um, went to the movies. What movie did you see? And like, I'm like, chicken run. What's it about? Chickens running. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh God. Yeah. And that was the end of that. Uh, yep. Yep. Oh, if you're gonna lie, lie effectively, my friend. <laughs> exactly. I was, I was just, I was really bad at it. I was like, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. I'm grounded. Okay. <laughs> So I remember that exact story because as he, he's getting the Q and A, I'm actually standing next to him, and I I couldn't keep my face straight. Again, what I'm hearing, Alan, is that Ian gets dying you in trouble. He causes car accidents. He stops you being able to lie to your mother. Yeah. You know, yep. like... Wait, hold on. <laughs> me stopping him from being able to lie to his mother makes me a bad person. That's not so what about you, Rob. <laughs> oh, Lordy. <laughs> That's why you... So, ladies and gents, please enjoy my only visit to Wheel Reads, obviously. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, so, uh, you know, I think Anaya does does pick up something's going on. Um, sure. He got real smart on himself. He's like, you know what? The best way of covering my tracks is to just let everybody know I'm doing it. Exactly. I'm a yeah. Fool, which was genius. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. people. I've, I I I don't want to. I'm not going to waste a lot of time saying I can keep relating to everything. But even that, I can relate to. I've done that before, where it's you and in, just intentionally, obviously, are doing what you shouldn't do because everybody would think, well, clearly he's not that dumb. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. You underestimate my power. Yeah. Hide the rest of his clothes up in a roll with the blanket from the bed and slug it across his shoulders. Grab the quarter staff. Uh, by the door, left nothing behind. Mm-hmm. Literally just put everything in his pockets, got his dice cups, and walked out. So like, so yep. I said I saw him, they just kind of made eyes, and the people, the, the, the tower guards just simply looked and shrugged their shoulders, and he was on his way. Like, yeah, I mean, imagine him just walking back, like, past with all his belongings. I mean, I just picture this. Like, he has, like, everything on him. Like, he walks past people, like, look at him, like, Given that 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 flat stare, like really, <laughs> like, <laughs> this is what you're gonna do, <laughs> dude. Security's too good. You're not getting through. That's all they're thinking, isn't it? You know? yeah. You're just convinced you can't. So I, um, there's no other part really for me to introduce this because there's nothing other than me bullshitting a little bit. But like, is it is it possible, Chris, that like? Maybe the Amberlin knew this would happen, or maybe our green eyes that that was visiting him. Like maybe they, 
they because when you think about it, the only way, the only way he could get out would be with this letter that was provided by the Amerlin. Now, I don't, and maybe it's a stretch to think that she would think that possibly there's a way that it could work its its way to him. But like, I don't know. I'm, there's still a part of me that thinks, all right, how how crafty is our the Amerlin? How how crafty? Like, is it possible she could have somehow conceived this happening in some way and I, helped orchestrate it? I Am don't I- agree with you on that one. I think I agree with some of your earlier thoughts of, I guess, one of two, one of two ideas. The first one that I agree with is what residual power does Matt have from the dagger? Oh, yeah. And we're going to kind of touch on the reason why. But if we're talking about like sheer dumb luck, nobody stopped him. Nobody thought to ask him questions. Nobody. Yes, of course, there's that whole thought, well, he can't get out of here anyway, but it still takes a level of sheer dumb luck for nobody to be at all concerned. Yeah. There's the first thought that you, you know, residual power from the dagger. Then the second thought, um, I want to just left my mind that quick. Is it what Loy always says? Because Matt and Perrin are can't do as well as you do. So that was that was the third thought. This the second <laughs> thought comes more to his connection from his past lives, and I guess I would tie in with the idea of Taviran. But could it be like influence of past lives giving him this dumb luck? Like, is he tapping into yeah. his power? Well, and and technically that could be associated with how he was healed, depending on how this healing shit works. Mm-hmm. Anyways, yeah, okay. Uh, I, I just I had to throw it out there. I, I know, I know, it was a way. I have nothing. Again, it's one of those things. I can't base it in anything, but it's. Uh, I don't know. I, can I don't. See I don't trust anybody. Born somehow too. Yeah. Some Okay. I mean, they they do act very confident that he's not going to get out. Um, so yeah. you know that does imply they were like he needs something extraordinary to get him out. But I would also say that in in that same breath, that no system is fully secure. You know, like there is always a way out of something. Sure. So, but yeah, interesting thought. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So at this point. Uh... Yeah, Matt gets out in the city and goes straight to the taverns because he wants to gamble. And he wins and wins and wins and wins. But but after he wins the third time, he goes home, right? He's done? <laughs> no, he wins again. Yeah, yeah, no. And then when he was done winning, actually somebody that wasn't happy with him winning convinced him to go back and win some more. <laughs> win some more. But this time they bet <laughs> on him because they were yes. like, fuck it, I'm getting my money back. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the reason why I told the chicken run story is because I wanted to bring up my friend Dave. Because if you want to talk about luck, um, he is the most luckiest person I've ever met in my entire life. Like, on his 18th birthday, he bought a scratcher and won the jackpot. Like, yeah. um, oh, wow. he filled out one of those like 
crappy um like sweepstakes at a grocery store and won a go-kart he won like three playstations in his life like he's the guy that wins everything and like it's just like sickening like how like Like stumbles on it though like just sort of like oh wow oh i forgot i filled that out that's crazy and and dave if you ever listen to this podcast uh, don't be offended but he's a fuck up and (laughs) and he wins everything (laughs) it's just it's annoying (laughs) I would, like, I, would, hey. I would edit that to say he had all the predispositions of being a fuck up and yet yes. he never was. He never was. Yeah. And, and actually point. did great things. It's has done great things, but like, so, yeah, yeah. There were but tendencies he, early on that made you go, hmm, I don't know about this one. <laughs> he seems to make really dumb decisions all the time. Um, yeah, and yeah. then I think it goes back to his luck. He just, but it turned out like, I mean, his whole entire career is based on a lie. Like he never went to college and nope. he, he lied about his experience and just completely made up a bullshit background and got his entry level job and then kept on lying about it and worked his way up to like managing these giant companies. And I'm like, dude, it's all made up. Like, and he, I was like, I was like, don't do these background checks. Like, yeah, no, no but uh, I, I run the IT department. So I just, I just falter. I just alter all those. And I was like, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Like, he's like a mad scientist but at the same time like just luckiest guy in the world yeah <laughs> love him awesome. to death same same yeah i love love him to death but uh yeah good old dave <laughs> <laughs> so i um okay i'll state the obvious someone's got to say it uh there is some sort of this isn't just Tavirin stuff happening here with the roll of the dice. And it's not coincidence because if we start doing coincidence in this book mixed with people using the power, I'm going to lose my mind. Um, so this this is some sort of channeling. And I say that with question mark because... Uh, I mean... Mm. All right, so I gave out some crazy theory before about when when it came to healing Matt. How did they actually heal him? And I talked about healing. Maybe it could just be some sort of uh, accelerating time, like in that physical location where there's a wound or something like that. Uh, but then we talked about, okay, maybe somehow you're reaching across these multiverses or different planes of existence and and you can kind of tap into energies from different versions of that person, something like that. Or maybe it's you can reach across time and the different turns of the wheel and this person kind of tap into their existence, right? Uh, so if that's the case, that last one, I know I mentioned a lot there, and they're probably all laughable. Rob, don't laugh. But if it's that last one, um, and we've already heard evidence of Matt and him uh, speaking this Manethrin old tongue stuff, then maybe somewhere in that healing process, his connection to this version of him that existed then before the breaking, uh, maybe that connection was strengthened, right? And maybe he was somebody that could channel. Uh, even even crazier if it was pre-breaking maybe it's somebody that can channel well i'd say without the taint but then we have evidence moving forward where he seems sick after channeling but anyways i don't know 
So this is where my mind's at as I'm reading this, because I read slowly and we have all sorts of time in between our different weeks. And I'm just going nuts with thoughts here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and yeah. So one thing that he thinks of, not necessarily channeling, that might have something to do with the dagger. Um, he has that thought. Um, he doesn't remember being this lucky. I mean, he knows he usually wins, but like he won every time. Yeah. Like he didn't lose the entire night. Like every single toss he won, which is insane. Um, and, and it gets to the point where, you know, a fight almost breaks out at one point because. It said he had won a bet of a gold mark, not even caring by this time that the Andor marks outweighed the other man's Ilian coin. But he scooped the dice into the leather cup, rattled it hard, and spun them across the floor again. Five crowns, light. It can't be. Nobody ever threw the king six times running. Nobody. And then a man says, the dark one's own luck. And said Matt was scarcely aware of moving before he had the bulky man by the collar, hauling him to his feet, slamming him back against the wall. Don't you say that, he snarled. Don't you ever say that. The man blinked down at him in astonishment. He was a full head taller than Matt. So this is where my thoughts went to your statements, Ian, about Matt either A, being impacted by the power of the dagger, or B, being tapping into prior life energies. And I, I lean more towards the dagger just because the statement of the Dark One's own luck. We tend to tie gambling to something evil, and in order to win that much in gambling, we tie it with, with evil powers, or we tie it with distrust, we tie it with cheating, we tie it with you know all the negative things. And we know that, you know, more depth had his vault full of treasure. And how did he get those items? How did he manage to have all of these things? Where did the dagger itself come from? Like, these are all thoughts that were kind of circulating in my head as I was reading it. I said, well, if we have a being who could, you know, maybe the deal he made with the dark one was, or whatever the darkest power is, was, you know, like this infinite level of luck mm-hmm. that he used for mischief maybe you know Matt is still being impacted by the influence of more depth and he's now able to kind of tap into that same energy because he, uh, we'll get there later but we see him pulling out the dice again later and testing his luck and yeah. He was throwing, he's like, I don't know what game I'm playing, but clearly I'm winning whatever game it is. He wasn't sick. He didn't get any of these aftershocks that you get from using the the one power. He more or less just threw the die and got a a winning roll. And it was noted. And I'll I'll leave it at that. And, And so before we started these chapters, when I jumped back and read from a few chapters before... I mentioned a point of uh, tension or conflict within a character, and that was Egwene at that point. And Jordan has a way of doing that. And he, he does that when it's something significant. And where is this internal conflict with Matt? When does it spring up? 
it's not with the winning. It's, you know, he thinks about it and he's like, this is odd. Nobody does this before. It's the moment somebody suggests dark friend and he loses his shit. So maybe you're onto something like that's where the conflict is. It's not a, um, it's not a use of the power kind of like what we've experienced with Rand, but maybe it is more of a uh, negative influence, something left over from the dagger or something like that. But there's, yeah, he definitely went over the top being defensive. Well, yeah, it says he let the guy go and he says, I'm no dark friend. Burn me, not the dark one's luck. It wasn't. Yeah. It was, it was almost a question. And then he mm-hmm. said, light, did the bloody dagger really do something to me? And then he makes the statement later on. He said um, he knew he was lucky. He could remember always being lucky. But somehow his memories from Edmondsfield did not show him as lucky as he had been since leaving. Certainly he had gotten away with a great deal, but he could remember also being caught in pranks he had been sure would succeed. His mother had always seemed to know what he was up to and I naive, able to see through whatever defenses he put up. But it was not just since leaving the two rivers that he had become lucky. The luck had come once he took the dagger from Shara Logan. Yeah, there he was remember- emphasis there. Mm-hmm. It says he remembered playing at dice back home with a sharp-eyed skinny man who worked for merchants come down from Barlon to buy tobacco. He remembered the strapping his father had given him too on learning Matt owed the man a silver mark and four pence. But I'm free of the bloody dagger, he mumbled. Those bloody eyes that I said I was. He wondered how much he had won tonight. So there is that internal conflict. He's realizing that his luck had changed, if we want to say it that way, since he had the run-in with the dagger. And again, I... I loosely feel like it is a connection with the dagger and he still has remnants of the power of the dagger in him. And maybe again, they, they bound the influence of the dagger when they put it in the box that it's currently kept in. But, you know, if that dagger were to be set loose, I think it would seek him out because I, again, he was a lucky type being and he has a connection to Manethrin, and maybe there's a connection somewhere to Shadar Logoth and um, Mordeth, even who knows in a prior life. And maybe that the dagger was just echoing a prior version of Matt or a prior connection, or maybe it was just it found somebody that had a power that was Tavir and that it wanted to now establish a new version of Mordeth through. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, if the dagger has any control over where, where it goes, if it's already made a connection to somebody that's Tavirin, I mean, if if I was bad dagger, I would I'd want to hook up with Tavirin, dude. Yeah, so like, I don't know what the power is in the dagger. If it's something, yeah. you know, some, it's something dark, clearly. Um, but, you know, is this darkness got a mind of its own trying to claim a body and a soul yeah. so that it can wield that person or does it need somebody to wield it? Like I, you know, we could, we could go round and round with this. So you remember when we first started saying, wait, is Matt channeling? 
And then I gave the example. I was like, yeah, remember when he's like riding horseback and he shot a freaking trollic right between the eyes or something or right in the eye. Like that's just yeah. such a great shot to be able to do as an average bowman. Like that would take some extra oomph. But now that I think about it, that shot happened after he took the dagger, right? Yeah. So crazy. And again, that, that could be him tapping in some menethrin blood. And then like, it's like an overdrive where his menethrin heritage takes over and gives him skills beyond the norm. Or it could be in connection to the dagger. I think we're going to see more internal conflict with Matt as he's trying to choose whether or not he wants to be a self-righteous individual or a righteous person, you know? Whether he wants to be all about self or about others, whether or not he wants to be good or bad, if we want to call it that. Um, So I think that was interesting. And then his mind went straight to his money, which that's what I appreciate about Matt. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> kind of stumbled upon it. That's what brought yeah. him back to lucidity, to reality, to break down. Be like he oh, he realized he's won a fortune. Like, yeah. <laughs> okay. So I, I've got a quick question, if it's okay. Um, so the I said I say they've completely healed Matt of the dagger, but if the dagger is influencing him, does that mean they haven't healed him? Like, what do you think on that situation? No, no we've we're not done with the dagger. There's no way. And the so the fact that the process is still working itself out where Matt's just ravenous, hungry, there's some accelerated metabolism thing going on, even from just that physical standpoint, there's still stuff to be worked out. Um, and so if the physical part is still catching up, at the very least, we 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 could assume that there's other portions of the process that aren't totally done totally closed off totally healed you know you also have to think about the eyes to die themselves and the fact that what they say is not always the whole truth healing matt of the dagger and i can't remember if that is the the exact quote but you know they could just be implying that they have healed his body because after they had healed his body, it was really up to Matt's will to live that got him through the remainder of his struggle. And again, putting the, the dagger in the box, it could have been some type of a seal, like they've sealed, you know, um, Bialzaman and the, the Forsaken. Maybe they have some type of magic or sealing magic where they can cut off connections. But if said connection was reestablished, then Matt would be right back where he was. So maybe they they blocked it mentally, they healed his body physically, and it's up to Matt's spirit to kind of come back around. And that might be taking it too deep. But the the shallow answer to your question is maybe they healed him to the best of their knowledge, but we've also learned that the knowledge in the white tower is not the end all and be all. So maybe they don't know what they don't know. True. Interesting. Okay. Hmm. Just thought out. As if we weren't confused enough. Thanks a lot, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> Let's add another question. I ask, I, I ask it multiple questions. Sometimes that are story relevant. Sometimes just randomly occurred to me and sometimes to mislead. So he never knows yeah. what I'm asking. 
and it's four. So I like it. Thought I would do the same here. <laughs> yeah. So at this point, after this whole argument, Matt realizes only a few hours before dawn, and maybe she should start heading towards the docks because it kind of snaps back to reality after that. Realizes, like you said, he realizes his fortune and and snaps back to not really wanting to gambling and get back to his mission of getting to a ship. And uh, as he heads back down towards the docks, he notices that he's being followed, which is which is surprising to him as well because Tarvalon is known as a very safe city. Um, because of the Aes Sedai, it's, uh, it's not known for its high crime rate. It reminds me a lot of Singapore where, <laughs> where, where, uh, punishments are very, very tough. And we do have listeners in Singapore. So you guys can actually coast on yeah, this. Caning um, is not fun. Caning. Yeah. Yeah. Getting beat with canes is not fun. So people don't commit crimes in Singapore. It's a very safe city. <laughs> you know, I, as I was reading this, all I could think was good on Matt's father for training him without him realizing it. I think that more and more as I read Matt's insight onto into some of his actions, his father's always brought up, like, you know, with him losing the money, it was almost like he got a beating, not because he gambled, but because he lost. And he brought a debt home with him. And then in this instance, I'm like, well, where did he learn to listen the way he's listening to be so observant of the things around him? Yeah, Matt, I guess, hasn't actually been in the situations like Matt was physically there with the crew through the last couple books. But realistically, it was daggered, Matt. So, Mm -hmm. like, these realities that he's picking up on are just created by his father teaching him how to look out for himself so and then he like he has a lot of realizations even in that moment he's like you know this doesn't sound right like people are following me and then he's like you know just because i beat beat up uh gawain and galah doesn't make me the hero of a story i need to try to lose these guys i gotta shake them i gotta be smart about this and he he does he ducks into a shadowy mm-hmm. corner he outsmarts them and kind of he gets away with them oh you know, away from them i i have i have to say yeah. that's one of those moments where i think it's that's a blend of uh the mat we have net what i guess the mat of this age i don't even know how to say this now but uh new mat and old mat um because if you follow his character progression so far, I would think actually that if after everything Matt's gone through, if he whooped up on Gwen and Galad, that he might actually feel overconfident with other people he might run into. But he doesn't. He's very he shows more wisdom in this moment that I think his character should have. And that's that's just again, I could be way off, but that's just another thing that's screaming to me, okay, there's something else playing into the Matt character right now. Again, whether it's the dagger interaction or if it's some connection between him and that Manethrin version of him or whatever. But he's he showed a lot of wisdom here. And again, some mm-hmm. of this could be that to Viran, it could be the like you said, the 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 dagger. Because he just seems to get lucky again. He ducked into the shadow. 
he had plans on how he could surprise them. He had some nervousness going, and then all of a sudden, boom, another guy pops out. Hey, do you see him? It's like, not. Nope, he's not here, nothing but shadow, and I want to get out of here. And then he keeps it moving, so like Matt gets lucky again in this instance. Oh, and then mm-hmm. now, oof. so at one point, he was only how many paces away? Six paces? What was the Four number? Paces. Four paces. Four paces away, and he could see the other dude clear as day, but they couldn't see him. But where was Which he? Made me think he, he was in the shadow. He was in the shadow. So trust me, I had that thought in my mind. She was like, was this luck, or did he like become one with the shadow and didn't realize it? <sighs> I did have that thought. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and say it or not. Like, as I was reading slash listening, because I, I pull up the chapters and I listen as I read, I was like, did he just become one with the shadow and that's why they didn't notice him? Or was he just that? That was pretty close. Or was it just luck? Like, I don't know. Don't know. I'm telling you, there's so much goodness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of good stuff that come out of these chapters, but um, we're back. We're back to more questions and answers. I don't know. what, What do you think, Rob? Well, I was going to ask, like, you know, him hiding um, from those those guys, like, is that luck hiding him? Or is he, as you said, like, one with the shadows was exactly going to be my question. Like, how did he hide? Um, you know, he's having quite a lucky evening. Um, what do you think, Rob? What, which one would you go with? There you go, Chris. You're following me now. I'm trying to think my thought process when I was only on this part of the books the very first time. And, and if you mess up and give too much, <laughs> And I think I just took this whole chapter as he's on a super lucky bend type thing. Yeah, yeah. What I thought in future reads is not going to be revealed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I remember thinking on my first read through, like, wow, like he is super lucky right now. Like, this is weird. Yeah, J- Jordan gave us just enough of, and I, th- I think luck is a thing. I mean, it it does. Sometimes you get on a roll because, you know, the opposite happens. Sometimes shit hits you on a roll. Sometimes you just have a string of bad luck. Sometimes you string of good luck. But Jordan makes it a point to almost eliminate that possibility at this point because he hits you with the dice games where he's just winning insane amounts right in ways that he shouldn't have so by the time this comes around and i I know chris and i are reading it slower so we have more time to think about it but by the time this comes around it's like "Mm, there's definitely more going on here but but my my trouble is i'm stuck kind of like where chris and i've gone back and forth now like what is it that's what's what's influencing influencing him is he channeling i mean possible there's there's some things going on where he has his luck and then he doesn't feel so good and he whooped up on Gwen and Glad and then he didn't feel so good uh, he had his dice games then he wasn't feeling so happy he had to go step outside and make you know that kind of resembles what Rand went through but I don't but, but it's not just that doesn't lead me down that same thought process I was so he I was out because he got pissed off because somebody like called him a dark friend. Mm-hmm. 
especially Matt's temper and him realizing he put himself in a bad situation because he looked up a foot above him and there was a man that he had just jacked up. Like, he realized he had screwed up and put himself in a tight predicament and he needed to get out. He showed it. He, well, he showed his cards, and if you're a manipulator, you never show your cards. Yeah, never show. So, like, he just knew he had to go. None of these instances, even when he finally got away from the guys and he decided he was going to climb up and, and run the rooftops. You know, there was no. If this is all luck, first thought. I mean, if this is all him channeling, it would have taken a toll on him by now. It's not like it would have been a small trickle for somebody who doesn't know how to control it. It would have been like hard hitting, like, yeah, I'm lucky, but I'm exhausting myself too much. And then, yeah, um, yeah. you know, using the, the power to hide in the shadows and then I'm climbing up onto the roof and, and, you know, then even feeling like he's being followed, knowing that he probably shouldn't jump into the street and then making his way to the bridge. Like never once did he have a moment of this, fatigue it was just warning after warning it was move here do this go roll the die roll the die roll the die and then he makes his way to the bridge and like instinctively he knows that he's sharing the bridge with somebody else it's like he's got morpheus in his earpiece telling him which way to go hmm. exactly <laughs> <laughs> oh god that would be turn right now <laughs> if you want to live uh. If you want to live. Yeah. Anyway. anyway, so um, yeah, so like like you're getting to, they gets on the bridge and there's another or maybe not another man, but one of the guys that was following him finally caught up and they get in a little scuffle and Matt throws him off and falls off himself. Ooh, but what's so the line? Him. Time to roll the dice. Toss the dice. Time to Time toss, to toss, toss the dice. Mm-hmm. I love the action scenes. Like Matt grabbed at the hand as the knife darted towards his throat. He barely caught the fellow's wrist with his fingers. Like first and foremost, like Matt's never been in a real scuffle like that, close combat that we know of, and he manages to grab this fellow. He said, and then the quarterstaff below them tangled itself in his legs, tripping him to fall back against the railing. The fall half over it, pulling the other man on top of him. Balanced there on the small of his back, teetering with the assailant's bare teeth in his face, he was as aware of the long drop under his head as he was the blade catching faint moonlight as it edged towards his throat. His finger gripped on the man's wrist was slipping, and his other hand was caught with the corset between their bodies. Only seconds had passed since the first since he first saw the man, and in seconds more he was going to die with a knife in his throat. Then he says that nice comment, time to toss the dice. He thought the other man looked confused for an instant, but in an instance was all he had. With a <laughs> heave of his leg, Matt flipped them both off into the empty air. It's like he made that statement, completely threw the guy off, and then made all of these decisions as if he were really a trained fighter. And managed to, you know, win. Not just not just a trained fighter, and we talked about this before in this this new Matt. Now that we're seeing what's going on inside his brain, he's so quick to weigh the odds. It's not that he makes perfect decisions, but he makes really good decisions with the information that he has. 
and very quickly he sizes up what's going on here and okay i could do this could do that all right now i'm in a really bad spot if i stay where i'm at strong probability that he's got the advantage on me or i flip us over the side we got gravity maybe a tumble let's see what happens and he quickly he just he goes all right Time to roll the dice. We we got to move on to something that gives me a chance versus right now where I have no chance. And I, I just mm-hmm. I don't know. I could I could appreciate how quickly he's making these decisions, and they're not just random. Like he's he's doing the math inside his head. I love it. Well, and that's mm-hmm. why we can't really use the word chance because he's a statistician. He's a planner. He he's you know like you stated multiple times, he had worked out the variables in his mind and he had determined that the probability of survival is highest if he put both of their lives at risk rather than his own life being at risk. Yeah. If we went back to the beginning of Eye of the World and took that quote right there and put it right after Matt was talking around about, hey, I just I just caught this badger. We're about to go let out on the green. Like, come on. Like that made that would have made no sense. That would be like that's not that's not the Matt we were picturing. But this is uh, from a reader perspective, huge transformation, huge mm-hmm. in an awesome way. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, so ends up the guy ends up dying because it breaks Matt's fall. Matt lands on top of the dude's body to survive the fall. Um, and at this point, Matt thinks about heading to the docks, but instead decides that he's shaking too much and needs to go to an end to calm himself. And the first end he sees, or sees is the woman of Tanchico. Well, let's the- go. I love this part, so we're going to go back just a second. He said sure. suddenly everything had happened, everything that had happened rushed back in on him. The footpaths in the Tosting Street, the scramble over the rooftops, this fellow, the fall, his eyes rose to the bridge overhead, and a fit of trembling hit him. I must have been crazy. A little adventure is one thing, but Rogosh Eagle Eye wouldn't ask for this. And what was the thing about that character? He was one of the legends, um, one of the heroes that came out. That they mentioned him actually. He was one of the guys on the horn that came back too. But he's, you know, a legend. The thing that was like super special about him was there one thing that they mentioned? archery got you it was archery I I don't know. i'm guessing it's something kind of like the last samurai i don't know <laughs> like he goes through the whole scenario of what's about to go down but doesn't actually but he's like envisioning what's going to happen so he knows what to do and then it actually plays out in real life and they kind of catch up together at the same time that's happening you know, here when i said that i thought so matt's got a giant katana blade and then you started saying that and i was like no you mean the fight scenes where everything slows down i'm with you now yes i right, love right. that analogy yeah <laughs> i mean if they want to give him a katana blade for this scene I, honestly it's so awesome go for it it, it would i would not be upset um but yeah that, that's what i kind of got there and that little everything catching back up to him it's like one of those everything comes together of like what was going on through his head whatever the, the, the channel the whatever gave the, power it just all the, kind of came together at the same time like the sherlock holmes scene with uh robert Downey jr where he uh oh, does yes. the whole entire like take out the kneecap the throat punch then to the kneecap then you know like yeah. I was, like that was actually a better example because he's 
talks it out as he goes through and gives the perfect, mm-hmm. and this is what I'll do here, and that's how I counter that. And this da, 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 da. and then it goes full speed or regular speed. Yeah. yeah. I'm just saying if, if you guys are listening, that's a way y'all can do this scene. Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I just I in general I love the way he realized that he was a little crazed. And it just made me go back to thinking like he wasn't in his right mind. Uh, so I, I never had a good spot to bring it up in this chapter, but it was still it was uh, that point that he was never in his right mind. Uh, that's been resonate resonating with me through all of these chapters here. I because of our slow pace of reading, sometimes we think that certain characters have been dealing with stuff for a long period of time. But Rand or not Rand. That's funny. I should say Rand because now it's Matt, right? Matt's just now coming out of this, trying to figure out what the heck's going on, what his goals are. Uh, I think he thought he was regular old Matt, but slowly realizing that there's more happening than he has control over sort of thing. So yeah, he's, I, I don't think he's in his right mind. And I think he's recognizing that. And it's not just coming out of the haze of the being healed. I think he's trying to figure out what the heck is new and different about him and everything since that experience. Interesting. Interesting. Indubitably. So yeah, and then we end the chapter with getting to the woman of Tanchico. Not tanning in Tanchico, just the woman of Tanchico. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. That's the end. Yeah. Any final thoughts? Anything we missed? Any questions from you, Rob? Uh, it's funny because I I, I keep think I, I hear you talk about you know the next few bits of the chapter, and I think, oh, I'm going to ask this or I'm going to ask that, and then they talk about like ten times more than I ever thought about on my first read. <laughs> and we, I'm like, we've got Damn time. We have talk through my questions without hesitate. I'm trying to think of Uber questions now. Like I'm going real. Like I, I have to say though, do you not think that Matt was you were saying about um, Matt's influence from his dad, like when he was being shadowed by the, um, uh, the the footpads and that. When I first read this, I my instant thought was he's the trickster of the village. He's always playing the pranks, the jokes. He's trying to get away with stuff, mm. like. My initial thought was he, because he's always trying to hide what he's up to, he actually thinks about who's around, who's watching. Like, but I was really intrigued by your whole, like, perhaps he learned it from his father type thing. So, and you know, I, I had that exact same thought too. Like, he is the trickster of the village. Like, his goal is to always cause some mischief and get away with it. But you have to have a certain level of, uh, what's the word? Discipline. Well, yeah, discipline's one word for it. I agree with that. And then, like, not not hum- opposite of humility. You got to be bold. You have to, you know, have a certain level of I don't know belief in yourself that you can do it. And that comes more from knowing that you have the capability to do it. No, knowing what you know, so that you could be confident in taking confident. strikes. There we go. 
Yeah, you have okay, to have I a certain level of confidence. Topic. And where do you build confidence but from experience? And yeah, he's that experience being a trickster, but like where do you learn to hide? Where did he learn to listen? Where did he learn to look like he and when we hear him reference what he has learned, it's always, Well, father said this or father that father did that, or you know, dad with my ass for losing money. Not necessarily for the losing of the money. But or for the gambling, but for the losing. So yeah, interesting. Cool. Hey, so so mm-hmm. my favorite line of this chapter is "time to toss the dice." And <laughs> I, I have to ask the question, uh, Chris. Probably not for you. I I doubt this is ever been a huge concern. But Rob and Alan, have you ever intentionally? gotten to a fight or a situation a conflict where you knew the odds were against you like you were probably going to get your ass whooped but you went for it anyways and that thought crossed your mind maybe not exactly time to toss a dice but something similar to it of course yeah i think my my go-to phrase is like fuck it let's just do it fuck it is like the, the what what keeps families together like yeah. i mean like literally that's the phrase i mean like i have kids and a wife and and i've realized um that that fuck it gets you through a lot um yeah. <laughs> like, my, my favorite one is uh, in for a penny in for a pound um <clears throat> which is using british currency for those that don't get it and uh, it's a case of like well i'm in this for like Let's just go the whole way. Let's just. Oh, that's let's just what she said. <laughs> I know you enjoy those jokes, so. <laughs> I knew I was waiting on it because I was about to make a crude comment of like, I do that every time I get in the bed. But you know. I mean, you know, <laughs> at, some, at some points, as being a parent, even like, you know, I have a three year old and he just wants to have cookies for dinner. And as a parent, you want him to eat good food, but every once in a while, fuck it, just eat the cookies. I don't care. <laughs> Have it. That's just but, uh, Maybe he'll now, still turn out a well-rounded individual with a good yeah. like <laughs> body mass index. And, you know, we'll worry about that later. We'll yeah, 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 yeah. get the calories. Yeah. Yeah. At that point. yeah just, you know, have the cookies. I, I'm, I'm just done. I'm, you know, sometimes I'll try to fight, you know, I'll try to battle, but you know, pick your battles. <laughs> yeah, that is true. So I, I took it as more of a literal, but so that's fantastic. Y'all went that route. Like, I feel like a shittier person, um, but <laughs> I didn't, I didn't think kids thing. Um, but I do remember in middle school before I got asked to move to a different middle school, cause they didn't want me to stay at the one I was at. Um, there might've been, tell us why <laughs> oh, no, that'll, that'll be for a bonus episode. Like, so without getting into the details of it, um, I still feel okay about it. I was sticking up for people that couldn't stick up for themselves. And what I had recently uh, joined the wrestling team and I had learned a few moves and this guy that had been a total bully to not just me, but everybody in our entire grade because he was two years older than us and whatever. um, He'd been an a-hole to us for a couple of years. And then finally, after I learned a few moves, he was still way bigger than me. So I had no chance of going toe to toe with him. Uh, but there was a opportunity to stand between him and some people that he was being really nasty to. And so I intentionally let him put me into a guillotine from a standing position. And like, that sounds horrible, right? Like that's a death blow. Somebody way bigger than you crank it down on you from the guillotine position. Uh, but I had just recently learned to scoop the inside leg, bring the knee in towards you, 
step forward with your outside leg and, and sweep. And it's a roll the dice move because if they're strong enough, they will not let go of your neck and you go down with them and you might die. (laughs) But if you catch them off guard, the force of their body falling to the ground, they let go, they go on their back and then you get, you get them on a, in a guard position and you could drop elbows on them. And that's really, that's ultimately why they thought I should go to another school because I moved on to the elbows part. But <laughs> um, That fucker had to come in. And to tell you what, I have lifelong friends uh, because of that particular situation, but there was definitely a moment there where that went through my head. Well, he's either going to knock me unconscious and hold on tight or I come out winning, maybe. I mean, I've been in situations like that in a bar. I um, used to work in a bar that had to, it, it was like a an old man's cane shape. It was like very, very long. And then you got to one end of the bar and it just sort of curved back on itself and then stopped uh, in a weird building. And I was down one end uh, getting some wines out of the fridge and I turned around and this guy, probably the size of Chris, decides that the bar service is too slow, walks behind the bar, through through the server hatch and then um stands up on the corner of the curve and just says right who wants a beer and then tries to start pouring a beer and i'm not a giant bloke i'm only five foot ten um and so i, I just without thanks, even thinking, thanks a lot because you're a giant bloke that's your big dude oh i didn't realize five foot ten was big okay fair enough big. um maybe i've just got lots of <laughs> friends okay anyway he's a lot bigger than me and um, without even thinking, I automatically walk up, grab him by the scruff of the neck, drag him backwards, and then shove him through the servery hatch and slam the hatch down. I was like, don't you fucking come behind my bar. And then I look, and he stood next to his seven mates that are all taller than me. It's like a rugby for dinner or something, or coming for beers or something. And he was just like, he was stunned at first that I'd done it. And then him and his mates were all just started lobbing smack at the very least, shall we say. Um, and I did think to myself, well, I've got to stick to me guns here. Like I've, I've just got to, I've got to take a risk here because if I back down, I'm in trouble. Oh yeah. But if I don't stand my ground, I might also get my ass pummeled <laughs> because I don't have security on the night. It's just me and the two other barmen, one of which was like, well, sorry, actually both of them were built like sticks and useless in a fight, genuinely useless in a fight. Mm-hmm. Hey, they're, um, they're skinny I, strong. It exists. No, yeah. yeah, there is skinny strong, absolutely. But these guys are not skinny strong. They're not um, it. They, they, if, they, they if they're long and lanky, they got the reach, you know. Um, like, like got the... Yeah, when I, when, in this bar, we had fights. When I first started there, like the first year, we had a fight. We had three, three fights every night um, at the weekend. It was a very quiet night. Um, and they were the guys that was like, right, just guard the bar. Um, while me and the bouncers went and attacked. This is the um, place that I need to be. When COVID's done, brother, I'm coming to hang out. Is oh, it... it's not like that anymore. Like, I, I cleared no. up. So, yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> you got to go to Wales to get those kind of action. Yes. action. Yeah, Wales, you're going to get it Wales, absolutely. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, that, that was definitely a moment where I was like, okay, I've done this without thinking, but I've got to fully commit to it. And uh, because if I don't, I'm definitely losing. Oh yeah, um, moving backwards, you're screwed. You have a chance yeah. if you move forward with the with the bluff. It, Absolutely. Maybe, maybe they're either oh, impressed with your tenacity, or they're like, you know what? Fuck it, not worth it. We just want a beer. 
Like, you know. Yeah. No, I told him to get the fuck out because they started calling me all sorts of things. I was like, right, well, you just get the fuck out then. And um, There you go. Yeah, they, they did, but uh, it, that was a serious risk. So, I, yeah, if I get in that situation again, I will definitely use the phrase mentally. I won't probably say out loud to sound too crazy, but uh, time to toss the dice. Time to toss the dice. Yeah. All right. Sorry. So do we do we miss anything in this chapter? No. <laughs> we did we cover the dice throwing because that's the only thing I wanted to talk about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the dice. Yeah, we got the dice. I think we got the dice. All right. So, all right. Moving on to chapter thirty-one, the woman of Tanchico, and the icon is a harp. So, did you guys get excited when you saw the harp, or did it even cross your mind? Stupidly, oh, no. So, I'm I'm such a fucking moron. No, didn't pick up on it. I saw it, and because of course, like I didn't see the picture, but I'm like reading this free copy. It's like heart, so it tells you what the picture is. I'm like, huh? I wonder if. And then I start reading. I'm like, yes. <laughs> so it wasn't like, oh, this is the ep- this is the uh, episode. Because in my mind, I see pictures. I'm like, I wasn't thinking like, oh yes, this is the chapter where he finally makes his appearance. It was just like, huh? I wonder if. And then it's like. Yes, <laughs> like super level excitement. So we can begin. <laughs> <laughs> nice. At least you could be exonerated. At least there's hope for you. You 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 know what did me in? So Tanchico sounds like an exotic location, and then the word woman, <laughs> woman of Tanchico. So I ignored the harp, and I was like, I was like, raw giggity giggity. Like I did the awful first thing. So. Yeah, I I got excited about stupid stuff. People are judging me right now as they listen. I'm sorry. It's you know, it's been a while. I told you that online dating is not going well. Okay, <laughs> just <laughs> give me. I'm working on it. So yeah, I missed out. Totally missed out until it happened, and then it it hit me like a ton of bricks, and I was like, "You dummy! It was there all along. You should have seen it coming." Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, so let's go right into that. So Matt enters the end and there's a guy performing on stage. He's, he's doing the, the Mara and the three foolish Kings uh, reciting that story. And quickly he realizes who it is. It's our good old friend who we haven't seen in a whole entire book. Um, Cause he came back in the great hunt and then disappeared again and didn't show back up till now. <laughs> So Tom, his, his Tom. all worked in gold and silver was fit for a palace. Matt knew him. He had saved Matt's life once. Like, I was like, oh my goodness, it can't be. I was still in disbelief as I read that. I was like, there's really only one person who's playing a harp that's ever saved Matt's life. But Bam. we haven't seen Tom in forever in a day. I thought maybe he got himself killed and it just wasn't stated yet. So I miss mm-hmm. the guy. No, again, I I go to where I have more respect for Jordan. So there was at one point we left Tom where we're left to think maybe he died. But you and I held on for hope that he didn't. And we were right because he did not. But then the last time we left Tom, we we suspected that perhaps he committed a murder that might have been difficult for him to get away with. But we also knew what his skill sets were and... You know, there was, there was less. Uh, it wasn't as excitable. It was more like, all right, Tom's going to get himself killed. 
Like he's heartbroken. Right. He really has no sense of value anymore. Like he just lost his love. He just wants to go. And we were kind of left with the, that image of Tom. So it was like, okay, this could be his last dance. All right, I'm cool with that. It could have, but that would have been a that would have been an unfair way to leave Tom. I think, from a writer perspective and a reader yeah. perspective, he does. If Tom dies, if and when he does, um, he's gonna be on a white horse. Thank you. After having <laughs> saved Lorraine, yeah. <laughs> her off of her feet. I was standing <laughs> up on a team waiting for you to swing that goddamn bat fist. He's going to catch a dove in mid-flight. It's in his hands. Hands. Yeah, I always see it with like blinding light in the back. <laughs> Thank you. Wow, uh, exactly. You guys can see the image in my head. <laughs> And for okay. whatever reason, it's very cartoonish, like Rick and Morty style. <laughs> I'm not even into that show. Yep. I, I have so, a question. Yeah. So you you said that um, you weren't sure about Tom and his escapades, like what what might have happened to him. Did you expect him to reappear in Tarvalon? Like, kind of, what was your thoughts about where he might reappear in the story as opposed to right now? Oh, it. So, not in Tarvalon. In fact, where he is now and where they're talking about going are the two places where I'd be like, all right, that's not where Tom's going to be or want to go. Um, And we don't get really good reason as to why he's here and to why he decides to go where he's going to go other than at this point in my life, I can, I totally feel a person, man or woman, that has gone through so much shit that they're like, you know what? Go ahead and send me to like the worst possible. Just go ahead and give me the goddamn worst at this point just so I can get it over with. Just so I can know that there's no way it could get worse. And so I kind, of feel, I kind of feel it. I'll echo that. Like I, To be honest with you, this entire book, he's the last character I've thought about. I know, and that's probably kind of crazy to hear because he's, like, one of my favorite characters in this series so far. But after he kind of went off the deep end in his lovesickness, I was like, I expect him to show up at some mega battle, like, somewhat um, suicidal. Like, I expected him to pop up when he was most needed. On the third day, look uh, east. Like, yes. This <laughs> is not wrong. That's why I bring it up. That's why well, I brought it up, and I wanted a Chris to hit home on that because I did not expect this. Or I kind of thought he would just kind of phase out a little bit. Like, I, I, with all the supposed characters that are going to happen throughout the 13 books, part of me wanted to give up on the whole white horse and Tom the White idea and just let him be a character that has served his purpose already and maybe he um jordan will be unlike martin and he won't kill off the character so just kind of let him fade into the background so the fact that he did pop up was actually you know i'm not gonna say it caught me off guard but it definitely wasn't an expectation for this book Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and i don't want to go too far down that rabbit hole but if if and when I say if and when, because I would be surprised if Tom makes it 
a few more books. I'd be surprised. I'd be surprised, honestly, if Tom makes it to, to the end of this book. I mean, like their next stop after all of this could be the end of him. Right. But I don't agree. But he, deser- he deserves, I'll tell you right now, he deserves one of those full episode moments. If it's his end, he does think- not deserve a casual. And then maybe something happened in the background and we think he killed somebody, but we never hear from him again. No, fuck that. Jordan, I'm telling you right now, I'm gonna come after you uh, if he doesn't get a. Yeah, I yeah, I'll find a way. I know people; they do the same. <laughs> like chalk and seances and all that jazz. We will light the right amount of candles. I'll find you. But Tom, <laughs> right amount of candles. <laughs> Tom deserves. We, if you can't have too many or too little. It. It's all about balance right. here. So, so just prior to candles, I'm I'm hearing that it sounds like Chris is not thinking Tom will die in this book, and um, Ian thinks Tom will die in this book. <laughs> I, I think he's just too sly. I think now that this has occurred and he does pop up, I think he's gonna be that character that's around twelve, book twelve or thirteen. That just he he's in it enough to to win it. He's gonna lay down the the big one on somebody, and he's gonna. You know, if anything, he's going to give his life to save someone he loves. He's really a lover at heart. Yes. We've now seen this happen. So I agree. It's going to be a big death if and when it happens. And I think we're going to be looking at somewhere between book 10 and 13. Okay. Cool. So I, I, I think won't he's got claim, a third love. You know, they say love happens in threes. So I feel like he's got a third love somewhere out there. He's going to hmm. die for her. Okay. Okay. I wish that uh, I won't. I won't claim a book, but I will totally jump on the uh, when Tom finally gives it. It's Tom gives it for love, something significant. Like there's going to be a, a gut wrenching moment where we hate it, but we also are okay with it because we know that's the only way Tom would want to go. Yeah. All right, get the tissues ready. It sounds like I've, all right. I've already got one in my hand right now. Just think about. So, so Tom's in the middle of performing and he sees Matt and actually like pauses his tail, like trips over his words, uh, which is unusual because uh, Matt even uh, thinks that, you know, a few things startle Tom enough for him to stop a show. Like, like it, that I guess either Matt or the narrator says that, that, um, that's weird that Tom actually even skipped a beat. Um, and, Tom's looking a little depressed, but he's upstairs, up, up on stage, not stairs, stage, and he's uh, he's finishing his his act. Um, and Matt notices that he looks different from when he last saw him. Uh, just kind of looks down on himself, like kind of like downtrodden. Yep. A, a younger Ian looking at this from the perspective of Matt would have been conceited in the Matt perspective and thought that the hesitation had something to do with Matt. The older Ian, the older Ian knowing what life can do to you and knowing a hint of what Tom has been through. Um, it, it was more a reflection of where, where Tom is now at one point. You're right. Tom would have never hesitated, would have never let up on one of his stories. He would have always given the best show because that would, that was his talent. That was his gift. That was his forte. That was, that was him, right? But mm-hmm. he's at this point of his life where he's just going through the motions to make the buck. Yeah. And any little thing could rattle him. I'm not saying Matt's any little thing, but it Matt showing up was a thing enough to rattle him 
from his performance. You know. So here's a thought. So it's like, first the Matt comment. Matt could not recall ever seeing Tom finish playing the harp without immediately putting it away in its hard leather case. Mm-hmm. He had never seen him the worse for drink. It was a relief to hear the gleeman complaining about his listener. Tom never thought their standards were as high as his. At least something of him had not changed. So, like, Matt was trying to catch a glimpse of something that hadn't changed. Like, beyond the, the fact that his cloak was always the same and he was easily recognized as a gleeman, Matt really didn't see Tom in the same light until he made the complaints that he had made. And to that same point, I think Tom also kind of reveled in the moment that Matt walked in because he was traveling with a group of three Tavirans and Aes Sedai. You know, he was of a level of importance in that sense. He's always been in a level of importance in his life. And then he kind of went on his own way after he saved the Tavirin, which he knew they were Tavirin. He knew there was something different about them. He thought he had separated himself. And then boom, he runs into Rand. And it's like, okay, maybe I, you know, maybe there is a purpose. Maybe there's something more. I don't want to be involved in it, but maybe there's something more. And then the love of his life dies. Second love of his life dies. And so he's kind of lost again. And then it's almost like the wheel decides that they're, it's not done with him. And Matt's kind of like a glimmer of hope almost. Beautifully said. It's it's like Tom is when when I say going through the motions, he's going through the motions in hope. Like he doesn't have roots anywhere right now. What what he was trying to lay roots in just got fucking murdered. And worse than that, he feels guilty for her murder. He just he's he's lost, but he he still knows he has purpose. He he has he has a gift. He has this this art, this drive, this whatever you want to call it. So it's almost like he's just hanging around, waiting, hoping that something clicks for him to be able to move forward. Um, and and mm-hmm. that connection with Matt was, and that hesitation on his side, again, it's not so much about seeing Matt. It's about him having that moment of going, click, okay. I can I can lock in my my ski boots here. I can just that's something I can connect to. Whereas between the time his last love died and now, and again leaving our party or Tavirin before, that must be a jarring experience. We haven't even talked about that. Like what happens when you're very close to all these Tavirin and then immediately you're not close to them, like. Even if you don't, that's got to be a jarring experience, right? Uh, anyways, yeah. and for him to yeah. form this connection, I think that's that's huge. Yeah. So at this point, Matt sits down. He orders two drinks, one for him, one for Tom. And the server doesn't know that he knows Tom. So she brings him two drinks. And Tom finishes his tale and joins Matt Um Complaining like he always does, like the old Tom, about um, how the patrons were asking for common tongue and they don't appreciate the finer arts, uh, the finer things in life. Um, and as he's as Tom's talking, he chugs his 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 drink, his wine, and is surprised like that it's empty. Um, and obviously, he's drunk. 
already. <laughs> what, are you, what, are you, what are you trying to say? That he wouldn't do well on this podcast. And I just poured myself a new drink and it's already empty. So, yeah. What, what's... <laughs> Someone who's very wise uh, on our Discord pointed out that if a glass of red wine a day is good for you, then two bottles is like super healthy. Yes. So, <laughs> I agree with that logic. I am almost mm-hmm. there. Yeah. So it was really interesting to see him in this moment of what's not a loss for words tonight. He was just distraught almost. And mm-hmm. we haven't really seen Tom in that state of being. And his murmuring about the two loves two loves of his life, more gays and then Dina. And how he just realized, you know, Morghese had a temper, but I thought I could ignore that. So it ended with her wanting to kill me. And then Dina, I killed as good as not much different. Two chances I've had more than most. And I threw them both away. There's kind of a lot of self-pity going on. And I, I didn't, he didn't strike me as that type of a person. And the first book, he was, you know, kind of like that grandfather figure in my mind. And he was just a very stern and keep it moving and we have to accomplish this task and stop being an idiot and, you know, just almost righteous old man. And now we have like a drunken lost soul. Yeah. And before, before we get to the whole point where he talks about his lovers, the barmaid comes over um, and gets really mad at Matt for giving Tom a drink. Um, um, and, and the barmaid sister, they, they both worked there, I guess, uh, they, they both try to convince Tom to go to bed. And that's when Tom goes on and on about the two women he's loved. And, and, and yeah, to your point, this is a different Tom than we knew in eye of the world. Um, huge, completely different Tom. There's this is a depressed, definitely just, just doesn't care about life anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but and it, it, it reminds me of a woman I mean, offering and take him up to the room with him and put on a hot bedpan. And he's just like, nope. Yep. I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll it, let it, you it, finish, it, Alan, but then I got yeah, it. Yeah. So it reminds me of like that. So there, there, there's a uh, old man. George is what we call him. So he like, he's oh, this shit, guy that comes, are you kidding me? I'm going to bring up George. Um, old man, George. So many shots. Yes. So old man, George, a local bar that both Ian and I have attended many a times and, 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 and drank at, there's this old guy that has been coming there every single year. He shows at the same time, he buys a couple of drinks and then goes home and he's been doing it for year after year after year. And I've had several, he fought in world war two. He fought on, um, uh, was it a destroyer and sunk a bunch of U-boats? I mean, he, he, he goes into his whole entire story about his, yeah. And, and he's an, very elderly man. I don't even know. He has love stories now. too. Yeah. And he does have many. love stories as well. Many, many love stories. And th- there's one night where he had a lot to drink and I was talking to him and he got his whole entire kick where it was very similar to Tom here where just very downtrodden. And, uh, you know, I asked him, I was like, what's going on George tonight? And, you know, he, he looks at me and, you know, just kind of flat honesty is like just waiting to die. Uh, which, took me back but you know you look at this guy and you know and i was i was taken back by the comment 
And, but yeah, he's like, my wife passed away almost 10 years ago now. And I just come to the bar every night and drink waiting for the day. I don't want to take my, I don't want to take my own life, but you know, he's at that point where he's just given up. And I think that's, and, and I, I bring this up because yes, it's sad. And, and we all love George. Um, don't get me wrong. Yeah. And it's a very sad story. Um, but I, I feel Tom's a lot like George in this where he's just given up. Um, he's coming here just, and maybe that's why he came to Tarvalin. Um, he thought it was a place where he might finally meet his end. He just, he doesn't want to, it's not, he's suicidal. He's just given up on life. Okay. So now I'm, I'm even more excited that I didn't interrupt you because sometimes I insist on telling my story before anybody else can speak. I recognize that. Sorry guys. Um, but Yes, you're right. You're 100% right. You're 99.999% right. Um, the fact that he... There's a, there's a difference between Tom going, uh, okay, I did whatever I did in this last place, and clearly people are out to get me, so I'm going to charge at the guards all willy-nilly and let them kill me. You know, suicide by cop. Or maybe he's just so fucking depressed about his life whenever he does the last deed that he drinks continuously wherever he's at and drinks himself into a stupor and dies like we've seen that happen. Maybe he can overtly commit suicide and that would be horrible. I would hate to hear that about Tom or anybody else, but he doesn't. Tom treads water. Tom is in the biggest fucking storm of his life. He's never been there before. But and he even pushes himself to the limits. He's like, I'm a tread water, but I'm a tread water in Diamond Shoals when a nor'eastern is coming. So it's cold as shit and everything's choppy. Y'all can Google that. It's not cool. Um, but he doesn't. He doesn't take that last step of offering himself. He he he's open to the possibility that there could be more. And the moment an opportunity presents itself. He jumps on it, so I don't. I don't take him as the full on, like I want to end it. Whatever. It's more of a confused, like, like dear God, how has all of this happened to me? I thought there was so much more. I have more potential. I have more skill. I have more talent. I have so much to offer, and like all of this shit has happened to me so far. Just show me one sign to move forward, and I'll and I'll take it. And that's literally like that. That's that's what happened here. Even the people around him, the people that were trying to love him out of his depression, that couldn't. They even recognized it when it happened. Matt showed up, and Tom. Tom was like, "Fuck yeah, let's go!" It, and even they came to Matt, and they were like, "Matt, look, I don't know what you did, Matt, but not only do you not owe us for the seventy-three goddamn chickens you just ate." But we're gonna, we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna pay you. You're still my thunder. You're still my thunder. Here. No, I that's know, not, but there's no way to not combine that. I just, no, no, but that's not how it happened, though. Like Tom asked for uh, a piece of uh, two slices of white toast with dry, and then Matt ordered four chickens. He was trying. To, he was trying to. I, stay. I'm doing. A, I'm doing. A, I'm doing a Blues Brothers reference. All right. Okay. I'll, t- I'll take four chickens. <laughs> So, I mean, it, it was interesting. Is that where this comes from? What's the timeline for that? 
Who stole from who? <laughs> oh, uh, that was 1980 yeah. for the original Blue, Blue Oh, Blue. shit. Jordan is not yeah, I'll, original. I'll, I'll, Jordan. Ta- I'll take four chickens and a Coke. Blasted <laughs> <laughs> you steal it from the Blues Brothers. Borrowed. You can't steal from them. I feel like the Blues Brothers were like the, you know, the independent Reddits of the day. They, you know, fuck it. Yeah. The original blue, the original Blues Brothers movies was 1980, and that was four four whole chickens in a coke. <laughs> anyway, I've yeah, seen, so yeah, so, Matt, so, so so Matt owes owes them for chickens and and what he did at the top. We do see the spark though. Let's kind of back up a little bit. It said Rand said you were alive. He told Tom. Moraine always said she thought you were, but I heard you were in. Karine and mean to go to tear. And it's like Rand is still well then. Tom's eyes sharpened to almost the keenness Matt remembered. Yes. I'm not sure I expected that. Rain is still with him? Is she? A fine looking woman. A fine woman. If she were not an eye to die. Yeah, so anyway, there was a <laughs> lot in that little sentence, that little block right there was like I had this good feeling that uh that we're gonna see some Moraine and Tom action. We're gonna see him on that white stallion at some point. Um mm. but uh I I'm just clearly joking but I, I would still love to see that and it's gonna continue to be my theme for the rest of the next ten books. But <laughs> again, you see the keenness, you see the sharpened sharpness in his eye you're right he was teetering on edge and he's willing to tip one way or the other all he needs is for the scales to go yep give me some evidence give me evidence one way or the other give me you got matt matt was still very careful he pretended like he really didn't know what was going on which you know i really you know kudos to matt for kind of playing dumb on the rand side of things and then you you get this nice back and forth conversation where our gleeman kind of fades in and out of sharpness like he's teetering left right left right even makes a statement like kill a man who needs killing and sometimes others pay for it the question is was it worth doing anyway there's always a balance you know good and evil light and shadow we would not be human if there wasn't so that that statement that he made, he's kind of admitting to murder, but also the fact that, you know, this was natural balance. He lost somebody for taking somebody. But then he says good and evil, light and shadow. Not light and dark, but light and shadow. So that kind of caught my eye. Mm. Mm. So he hints to killing someone. Who did he kill? The Kang. He the killed Kang. the Kang. <laughs> No king, no king, la la. <laughs> uh, and then the Max king, like, the king that was born in Tupelane, Mississippi. Oh, now everybody got serious. Now it's like so. Yeah, so I mean, what Tom, Tom goes on after that to say like that he's in Tarvalon because it's the worst place he could be, except for maybe Camelin. Um So I mean, going back to what I was saying, like he's looking for like the worst. He's looking. He's looking to be in a bad place. I mean, he's he's emotionally just, immensely in a bad spot already. So you figure, why yeah. not physically be in a space where it's not conducive for my health? He is looking, like you said, 
to die. He's looking for also, but he's also looking for opportunity. Like this is Taviran. This is the wheel stepping in and saying, I'm not done with you. And I think yes. he realizes that in Matt, and he, it didn't take any convincing. How hard did Rand try to get him to leave? And he's like, nah, I'm good. Nope. Uh -uh. Like up until the last minute, he was still saying no. And then Matt just walks in and it's like, I'm going to Camelot, Tom. If you need to risk your own full life for some reason, why not come with me? And Tom's like, all right, cool, let's go. Why? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's all he needed. There was no like begging. There was, it's just like, dude, if you want to like throw your life away, then just come with me and we'll do it together. And he's just like, all right. That I, I think I think his quote was like Kim would fit my mood right now. Yeah, let's go. Exactly. He said it would fit my mood like a glove. Yeah, OJ. there you go. <laughs> OJ. OJ. <laughs> and he's like, wait here, trying to eat the table. I'll get my things and say some goodbyes. And like Matt didn't even have time to finish his drink, and Tom was ready to walk out the door. There was zero hesitation. He kissed the lady mm -hmm. to the end. You know. And he had some pep in his step. Mm -hmm. And as yeah. Ian alluded to, the maid women paid him a silver Tarvalon mark for helping Tom out. So Tom because, of, because of how wild the difference while. was, because because they cared about him so much, but it it didn't matter how much they cared about him. It was up to Tom to find a reason or a purpose to get out of the funk he was in. And he was presented with one and he took it. It is, I just, I don't know. I've, I don't want to spend too much time here because we've been butchering time tonight. And I don't even know if I know, if I know, if I can explain it, but um, I've been, I've been in this limbo time frame of, um, we've touched on it before when I was, po when I was very early post divorce where uh, the, like there was no bit of me that was suicidal. I, I entered this phase where like, uh, I got the closest I got worse was I could understand where people thought that way. I could understand where people lost all hope. Like I had not lost all hope, but I had, I was close enough where I got it. Like I didn't, I didn't judge those people negatively anymore. If that makes sense, that sounds shitty, but I have definitely gotten to a place where I was treading water and I was just waiting for an opportunity, hoping for an opportunity. And when it happened, it did. And, um, and what's what's crazy odd about this story, the way it's written, is uh, when it when it happened, when that opportunity hit, and I I turned to the people that were taking care of me in that in that time when I was treading water, and I said, "Guys, I'm so sorry, but I have to do this." They were like, "They were like, no, I get it, like do it." Um, I can see the difference. Like we were worried about you before. And now just this look on your face, you're, we can tell you're moving in the right direction. We know where that is, but we get it. Um, so I don't know. I'm not offering yeah. a whole lot of details, but there's so much about what Tom is like this moment 
what he's going through that I can totally relate to that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Any questions for you, Rob? Um, not any questions specifically. Um, I, I mean, I love the, the chicken conversation we were having. Um, <laughs> but, uh, for four me, whole chickens. Four whole chickens, yes. When, when, I, when I first read this, um, like these women are inviting him. You know, they're like, oh, we'll, we'll come tuck you up in bed and stuff like that. And as you say, that's, that's not putting a pep in his step. But, you know, the interactions with yeah. Matt and what happens there, it's like he's a whole different person. Um, and that was a, you know, the influence that I felt Matt was having on Tom there was, uh, was pretty huge the first time I read this series. Um, and that, that was the bit I picked up from this section mostly, but I mean, anything else I, I was going to ask or, or get you to dive in on, you've, you've pretty much covered already. Like I said to Alan on the break, I was like, they keep talking about everything I'm going to talk about and they just explain it 10 times more detailed than I could possibly have wanted. So I, I I'm like, I'm. I I told you what your most fan appreciated comment might be at this point. You just got to find the right place to drop it. Okay. I'm not saying now's the time. Now's not the time. Now's a horrible time to drop it. <laughs> but maybe later I'll throw you a bone and I'll say something stupid. And then you just, you hit it. Okay. Yeah. The ratings will go through the roof. <laughs> <laughs> There we go. So yeah, so they leave the inn at this point, and Matt's surprised that the corpse that he just killed is gone. Dun dun dun. And he thinks he's like, there's no way the city guards took it away because they would have came in and questioned people. Because obviously, if there's a dead body outside of an inn where it's like a dead body outside of a bar, if the cops find it, they're not just going to be like, all right, let's carry this away and cover this up. No, they're going to like, all right, let's investigate. So. Question is, are I had a question for you? Like, I mean, at first it made it seem like maybe the people that are following Matt were just like footpads. I mean, like when I say footpads, I mean like maybe some people that he wronged because he stole a bunch of money off of and they wanted to steal. Yeah, they wanted to steal the money back. Or they knew he had a bunch of money and wanted to rob him, or it was some of those angry because, you know, he won a bunch. But I had a question about this. Like, do you guys think it's a weak yeah. question. It's a horrible question. Uh, if, okay. the, if the body disappears, like wrong. That, it's, it's wrong. A, it's a coordinated, <laughs> it's a coordinated effort. So I had two thoughts. Yeah. First thought was these are dark friends. These, these are what dark friends. Okay. These are dark friends. And they're oh, dark friends. friends. Who, yeah. Who sense, so, so they're my friends. Okay. Go on. They, they <laughs> Thank sense, you. They sense more death's power. And they're feeling threatened by it, so they're trying to get rid of him. Thought one. Okay. Mm. Thought two. I'm an Aes Sedai. I need to keep these three young women on my team. So I can't take out their friend or let him die of his own, uh, you know, here in, in my place of that, that I rule that I'm over top of, because maybe I'm like the Emelins. So like, I gotta do as much as I can to make sure these girls trust me and they love me and they'll do what I say. But if the idiot runs off and gets himself killed, then 
that's on him, not on me. Ooh. That is some mafia level shit right and there. Then, yeah, it is. Know, <laughs> then the horn can then be given to somebody of my choice. Oh, okay. So I, I want to, I want to ask a follow up on that point. So earlier there was some dismissal of um, Ian's idea of was I, I might have been, I might not have been Ian, but. Um, the, the whole like plan within plan to get the the letter that allows him to leave or like I'm, what I'm doing is at the Amelin's bidding like there was some sort of scheme beyond scheme to get that slip of paper to him as opposed to just keep it with the girls so I'm seeing a link there yeah but I don't think she's all that smart I think she's yes. <laughs> I think that she just kind of knew that Matt was going to try something yeah with his gambling habits and his thought that he could pay his way out. I think, you know, this was coincidence or this is because he's severe and that he got the letter because the wheel provides him with what he needs. I think that is where we get our crossover of coincidence here or the, the wheel weaving its way. Like it was for the Emerald seat to kind of push him and motivate him to find a way out. Okay. Yeah. So, and, and, so shit's just happening just randomly, right? Except every time these goddamn Tavalon witches showed up <laughs> to hang out with Matt, they put their hands on his head, and he he got the chills, and they goddamn multiplied, and it was electrifying. You know what I'm saying? Got the chills? It multiplied. It's electrifying. Like they are linked. Electrifying. I mean, the but question hold is, up. are they linked with him? Can they sense him? Wait, it's because he's they... the one that it's the one that they it's the one that she wants. So, were they reading him? Were they looking into him? Were they were were they sensing? Man, would it wish you is or wish you isn't, or did they put their hands on his head and compel him? Ka-chow! We've used compel a lot. Was there an attempt to move him? And look at this. What color Aja was the lady that was putting her gosh darn tavalarn wish witch hands on his head? She she was a great let the power of the omelet seat compel you. Compel. <laughs> God compel you. <laughs> so is he doing all of this uh, like on his own? I'm Matt. I do what I want. America. Or <laughs> did he just get convoluted compelled <laughs> by some Tarvalon witch <laughs> to get on down out of here and get on up in there and do that thing? Yeah, I would agree with those sentiments <laughs> if he hadn't gotten away. <clears throat> oh, yeah, because the Tarvalon witches were like, well, shit, the guards that we hired 16 years ago on the bridge are going to fucking slow us down. <laughs> we've, I, we've got no plan for that. I don't know. I'm being stupid. And, I'm being stupid and, right now. And, and the Southern just hit our hit our podcast hard. You don't want to hear, man. Emmer ducks. Emmer not. O S A R. C M Wangs. 
L-I-B and no ducks. <laughs> I'm like, so they didn't want him to leave, but they compelled him to go gambling? Is, is that... I, again, this is not my theory. Tell you what. <laughs> no, this is the Southern theory, obviously. Southern theory. I have dated a girl that was upset that I did not go to church with her 16 times a week, but was also upset when I did not hit the jackpot at the casino. I'm just telling you, you can't, there's no, you can't predict this stuff. There's no line of reason. It just is what it is. It just is what it is. It is what it is, and it also ain't what it ain't. You got to remember that, too. <laughs> gotcha. So, yeah, even Tom mentions that yeah, there are no foot pads in Tarvalon, um, that, you know, that that the city's safe, that obviously they're not foot pads. They're basically assassins or something, something else. There's something more nefarious about these men. So, um, yeah, at this point, they Shadows just decide to go to the – Go to the docks, and I think uh, the quote is, we'll catch the first ship that's sailing. So, um, And that's how the chapter ends, is them heading towards the docks together, and they're going to catch the first ship. Yep. Yeah. That just made then, me remember that we have one more chapter to go. We still do. <laughs> there is one more chapter, guys. We one be. more. Well, anything we miss from this chapter? Yeah, hold uh, on. Before- we we will offer a long dramatic pause that Alan can edit out, but Rob, hit us with a deep question on this chapter, or or read a line that you is you just think is so amazing, but do it in your amazing voice. Oh, okay. Uh, no deep question specifically about this chapter or a line that I really loved. Okay, well. I was enjoying the the weird southern wacky theory situation, um, but I don't feel I've got any poignant questions that could extend onto that. So perhaps I might look for... Or maybe there's a quote that you can do in your best American southern accent. I cannot You do. have one of those? I, no, I do not. I do not have any sort of... Uh, accents are not my thing. Um Me I'm terrible at them. I can barely do my own accent, if I'm honest. <laughs> I've tried to do yours, and it's so bad. I, I just, I can't. I feel you. Hmm. We'll give you a minute to find a favorite spot. At the end, though, we want you to read something for us. Okay. I, yeah. Can that, can that be fair? And it doesn't have to be now. But, like, yeah. um, maybe with something within this book, but maybe we haven't read yet? Nope. So you can get the redacted, redacted, redacted was redacted and redacted, redacted by redacted, the redacted, redacted stone, redacted. Yeah, and but here's the thing the way you say, the way you say redacted is redacted really. Do I need to change you my know, name in the service? To it's like redacted mountaineering that he's talking about, and there's something about the ring that's going to come up involving Rand and Nynaeve. What that, what ring are we we're speaking of? The ring that enters put us into the dream world. I think oh, that the dream ring. Okay. Yeah, I think this was going to get Rand into position to 
get the sword from Tyr. Because he's going to get it in the mm. dream world through using the, the, the stone ring. Thanks for the mm. clues. You got that from redacted, redacted, redacted? It was the inflection. <laughs> yes. It was the inflection of the redacted. Right. Okay. I'm going to enforce, so, I'm going to require that Alan keep all of this garbage in the final recording. Oh, no. This is because, straight in 100%. Because you know what I'm going to say? Do you know what hit me right about this time? Right. I mean, about this time and then moving into the next chapter a little bit when I'm, I'm. Thinking, was it bottle two? Was it bottle two that hit you? Oh, no. <laughs> Possibly. What day was it? No, no, no. I was sober when I first read it. Ish. Halfway. No, at this point I was drunk. Um, With Matt, I'm thinking about Matt possibly channeling or there being an influence on Matt with channeling. And then I'm thinking about like, where did he get it? Where did it come from? And at this point, it doesn't matter if Matt actually is. It's, I started thinking about there's all these mirror worlds, right? Where supposedly, allegedly, go fuck yourself, Alan. There's <laughs> mirror <Sure>. worlds <laughs> where stop it was, back. Come on, say it like you mean it. If different choices were made along sure. the Hold way, on, different Hold outcomes listen, listen, could listen, have listen. happened. Hit ice, hit ice, hit ice. There you go. <laughs> all right. Here's the thing: in the world we're living in now, Chris, there is a white tower where the women are casting magic and doing their Tarvalon witch stuff. But if there's an infinite amount of possible scenarios where shit could have happened, where men are doing their stuff, bingo. And I don't know, trust me, I don't know why I didn't hit till now that actually proves my stupidity, but I just started thinking that. And what is the ability of our characters now to tap into that to their own advantage? Interesting. No. Fascinating. That's what sure. you're supposed to say. That's the dumbest thing you've ever heard. No, I'm not going to ride that way. I'm thinking about like, you know, I was interesting fact for those that didn't know that you know there's supposed to be a black Taj Mahal. Oh. It was there. Yeah. yeah. Where there's an so in, there's an out. Where there's an up, there's a down. No, it was well, the first I mean, we, we, we've, I mean, so, so, I mean, I know, I know we're supposed to avoid spoilers, but the first guest we had on the show was the Black Tower podcast. I so. thought it was a joke. I thought it was a joke. <laughs> because at, at that point, I didn't see a way where it could be in the world yeah. we had. And I, I'm not, but it's, I there's a way now. Tower with the Black Aja, so. Yeah. Okay. See? Well, I don't associate Black Tower with Black Aja. Having having met the bros associated with the Black Tower, <laughs> I feel like they're dudes with dude parts. <laughs> and well, they do I mean, dude things. I mean, let's go on a, on a side tangent for a moment. People, you know, they quite often be like, oh, what Aja are you type thing? People ask each other and stuff. I always be like, I'm black. I won't tell you why. Because it's spoilers, but yeah, I'm black Aja. So, 
I tried oh, I that. You, I thought you were talking about your black. I was like, oh, <laughs> I've seen you. Chris is black. You're not. No, so. no, 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 no. We were talking Asian. I, uh, I, a feeling, not a color man. I risk condemnation. No, Alan, you nailed it. But it that so that line won't reverberate through all uh, cultures in America. I feel what you're saying, and maybe Chris can appreciate it. But there. Where I was raised, black was a feeling, not a color. And yeah. there was a there was a science fair project where I went, I moved on to the state science fair. And just because, well, unless I got into my reasons why, but I checked certain boxes and I was awarded a lot of scholarships. Um, <laughs> And until they they interviewed you and realized that well that they they announced who won the scholarship as as I started walking up to the stage they <laughs> quickly moved on to the second runner up and I was scooped up by security <laughs> so <laughs> it is a feeling but it's also not a feeling you also need to be able to represent so yeah. I'll say so. At the time, the folks I was actually in school with, there was nobody that was upset in any way, shape, or form. But I also recognize that was hilarious. I uh, right, but I need to be sensitive and understand where. I also need to understand the final decision and why it was handled the way it was. But yeah. I almost, I almost had a full ride to any fucking college in Virginia <laughs> until I went to go accept the award. <laughs> you broke Chris, I feel. <laughs> I hope Chris understands. There was no. I, I feel like at this point, Chris understands there was no malice. In fact, there, there might have been a guy next to me encouraging me to do it that was like, yeah, bro, just fucking go for it. Take me with you. <laughs> I feel like you got a chance. We're all we're all going to ride this train. Go. But uh, no, I got caught. He's a rapper. White guy that's a rapper. Comedy. What is that movie? Eminem? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Eight ball. You talk about eight ball, right? Eight ball? <laughs> eight mile? What it, what's it in? Oh, I can't remember it. Oh, don't worry about it. I know, I know, I know the movie you're talking about. It's um, I I know exactly what you're talking about because I can picture it in my head, but I can't remember the name of the movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh man, Malibu's Most Wanted. Ah, oh, shit. Malibu's Most Wanted. Yes, that's it. <laughs> that's right. what I was imagining. Ian, look at like. <laughs> that just made it better. That just made oh. it better. Wow. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> the, the sad part is I just came I came up from an upbringing of just just fucking love everyone. Okay? And I'm not trying to sound too hippie here. But this is the truth. You just fuck. You you love the lady behind the counter at the corner store. You love the goddamn dude sweeping the floor. 
you love the person who's the principal of the school. You just you just drop love everywhere. So I didn't, I don't know, that from day one, that's how I was raised. And that's how my schools taught me. That's how my church taught me. That's how everything taught me. So, yeah, but yeah. Um, I don't know. You got to be careful. Got to be careful which box you check. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. It could be a free ride or a goddamn embarrassment. <laughs> you can get escorted I mean, by security. So let's move on to this next chapter. Um, yeah, we still have one chapter left. Yeah. Chapter 32. You ready? You guys ready? Yes. Chapter 32, the first ship and the icons waves. So, um, yeah, this chapter begins with Matt and Tom. They're hurrying down to South Harbor, which is obviously the wrong harbor. Sometimes it's the right harbor. Oh, some... But you need to have open communi- communication about which harbor is correct. <sighs> yeah, well, yeah, okay. <laughs> Everyone has a favorite harbor, so. Uh-huh, yes. Thank you. Yes. That, is, that is the Brit response. Thank you. Come on. Go yeah. Now, the harbor master in South Harbor stops um, Matt because Matt's determined to find the first ship and sees one that's about to leave. But the, the dock master sees Matt and says, yep, yep, I've seen pictures of you. Um, you ain't going nowhere. <laughs> and let's start there. Um, I love the exact words. Your bundles say what you're planning, lad, but you might as well forget it. The sister showed me a drawing of you. You'll board no ship in South Harbor, lad. Go back up those stairs so I don't have to tell a man off to watch you. Uh, I thought that was pretty neat. Like, he got stopped in his tracks right away. And he's just like, that's all change. I can see, like, this, like, super chipper Matt, super excited to get to reach into his pocket and pull out the Amarillo's paper and just be like, see, see, see. <laughs> You're totally right, except that I got Chappelle and hits him with it. I feel like they need to do some type of special effect in the TV show just for the, the simple fact that this have like the angels moment. chorus go. Oh, yes, uh, <laughs> a harmony of angels actually to make this shit work because it's not a it's not a single note that makes this happen. It's- a it harmony. just reminds you that pick, pick a destiny from Tenacious D. Like. Yes. <laughs> oh, oh, oh you yes. Just, us. Come on. So <laughs> yes. what we need now is Jack Black to pay to play like some kind of guy on the dock. He needs just, to be the South Harbor master. He yeah, needs to be, to be the, the dock master. Yeah. Okay. Yes, Jack like, Black. All right. So yeah. appar- apparently Wad on Prime listens to our podcast. So guys, make it happen. Jack yes. Black, South Harbor master. So. Go. <laughs> And and just in case, just in case Chris and I find out that there's a deep south harbor master, Jack Black should be the deep south harbor master. But if there isn't a deep south and we're just only talking about the south harbor, then leave him here. <laughs> and if you don't know what I'm talking about, then you haven't lived. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> uh, you heard us one on Prime. Come on, you followed my podcast too, so nope. apparently. <laughs> I mean, you know. Yeah, so make it happen. Yeah. Um, so um, that's that's my that's my only fan cast. You know, people get really serious about the fan casting. Like, oh God, yeah. yeah, like trying to like pick, this is who you need to cast for Elaine. I don't care about Elaine. I don't, I, I mean, 
I do, oh. but I don't. South Harbor Master is important. All right, guys. <laughs> I, do you know what? The one I really love going on the tangent for the moment. I love it. It's become like a troll now, isn't it? Like every now and again, it's prevalent in the Facebook groups, but it appears other places. Every now and again, someone just goes, hey, here's my fan cast for Tom. And they just pop up a picture of Sam Elliott. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no. Like, yeah. No. It's been gone for years. Yeah. Hard stop. Hard stop. No. Um. <laughs> We we can have a bonus episode, Alan. Take notes oh, as to why that should not happen. But if any of you are listening who thought that was a good idea, that's a hard no. <laughs> Again, what I'm prime. Listen, yes, yes. Listen, yeah. Well, Tom's already been cast anyway. So, um, oh, well, then good. Yeah. So by is it what's his name? Wilhelm. 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 Anyway, so um, yeah, so Matt shows him the Armland's letter, and you get the whole pick a destiny moment, and says, "Yeah, we're on orders of the White Tower, and if you want to take up the Armland, go for it. But uh, we're we're getting on that ship, and otherwise, you're probably getting in trouble if you don't let me." Mm-hmm. And he's he's kind of like, "Uh, okay, fine." In a way, he's rolling the dice, but at the same time, he's got to know if you're if you're anywhere within the realm of Tarvalon and you're a person who wishes to continue to do business in this realm, you, you can't risk questioning something like that for a half a second. So mm-hmm. I guess where he's at to say, I'm going to, I'm going to hold it to the last second. The first, whoever challenges me on go Chappelle. And then I'm going to go straight to the first boat, bam, and hope that I can succeed there. It's actually, it seems yep. crazy the way it reads out, but it's it's actually probably his best bet to make that piece of paperwork for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, minimum time for people to read it. Um, is You know, the people do that trick all the time sort of thing. Be like, I'll give you yeah. just enough time to look to be like hey this is authentic but not so much time that you've actually got time to sit there and think about it in any detail and just you know move on to the next thing so this is how i pick, i'm gonna lay this out and hopefully i paint a good picture you get a mental image but this is how i picture this scene is like they're on the wharf next to the dock going out um in case you guys don't know nautical tor- terms a wharf is a pier that runs along shore versus a dock which runs out perpendicular into the water so the wharf would be along shore so they're on the wharf and they are talking to the stockmaster, and they show the note and the guy says go ahead the gray gull the ship is leaving i picture then matt take off running with tom chasing after him and you have this like slow mo slow mo scene where like he's like dodging in and out of crew members jumping over barrels being rolled across the dock and like and then has this leap of faith like across water to the to the boat like this epic scene <laughs> to to add to that meeting your definitions when you leave a wharf versus a dock and especially in this primitive type scenario the tide is taking you and the wind is taking you and the paddle that they're discussing people the people paddling along is really just to help with navigation to turn the boat to give you just enough momentum against 
the tide or the wind or whatever to be able to turn the boat. Because if they're deciding to leave, wind's with them, tide's with them. Yeah. So everything's so, moving away. Another, I mean, both Ian and I both sail. So whenever you're shipping out, you always leave with the tide. Um, yeah. So you you have to, um, otherwise it sucks. So and where we live in Hampton Roads in Virginia, the tides are not as extreme. But uh, I can tell you I have been to places of the world where they have extreme tides, um, where if you don't leave the tide, you're not going anywhere because the you're – you're not yeah <laughs> the current is running so far so hard against you you're 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 literally not going to go anywhere like <laughs> so so most likely yes you're leaving with the tide so you talk go ahead i was gonna say you, you talk about this leaf of faith for matt but like he had a lot of faith in tom being able to make yeah, that yeah. jump well it, like <sighs> That's the bit that really got me from this scene. Bingo. <clears throat> I don't get that part. I don't. And I do. It was a no shit's given. He didn't really care if Tom came along. He was like, I'm going here. You can come if you want. It'd be nice to have a partner. But at the end of the day, he was driven to get on that boat. Shit. Mm-hmm. So did Tom make it? Because I. The lady, the ladies in the last chapter said, "I've seen, a, I've seen Tom energetic in a way we haven't seen since he's been here." Is is it because Tom is energetic on his own, or did he just get? Wait, hold on. Wait. Come here, hey, hey, put the fucking book down. Come here. I mean, I'm sorry. I know I'm sorry. Come here. What is is what is Matt again? Oh. Uh... That's Tavirin. Chris, I'm sorry. No, go sit back down and read your book. My bad. With those (laughs) sausage thumbs. I don't know how you turn the pages. They're so thin. (laughs) No, Chris, you're right. Um, I don't know why I brought him over here. You were right. It was Tavirin. By the way, Loyal lives at Ian's house. (laughs) I I did not get that reference at first, but about halfway through, I was just like, oh... Right, he's talking to Loyal. I get it. He hangs, <laughs> he hangs out. I like. I try to entertain him, but he waves me off, and he just reads another goddamn book. But he doesn't, you know. What, whatever. That's his thing. Yeah, that's so, his thing. No, you're right, Chris. You're spot on. My bad. So they, uh, so they get onto the boat, and the captain immediately is like, "Yep, yeah, you guys got to go. Um, you can't stay here." Calls to his crew members over, says, "Throw him overboard." Um, you you can't just board our boat like this. Um, so Matt quickly pulls out the paper again. Pick a destiny. We see Jack in the background, sort of wave into the boat. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. And then flicks a gold coin in them. Uh, you know, I, I picture this. You know, just like the little the little thumb flick, and says, "Yep, we're good to go. We're on orders of the Armalin officially White Tower business." So um, yeah. Let us stay. <laughs> this is all playing out like Teen Titans go in my head. I just want y'all to know that. I have no idea why that is. <laughs> this is this is how I picture it. It's very, very sly. Like the flick of the coin, the showing of the, the, the letter with moonlight shining down on it, the spotlight. Uh, yeah. He just turned into a 90s soap opera. <laughs> it, 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 this is exactly how I picture this. Yeah, um, or, or or sitcom, one of the two. There, there's 
correct me if I'm wrong, I could be way off, but there's nothing about this way, the way this unfolded. Alcohol, damn it. There's nothing about the way this unfolded that uh, seemed unreasonable or not the way it should be. I mean, I know there was conflict. I know he was challenged, but he had opportunity. Da da da. But like, at no point did I think they'd get thrown off this boat. Is as much as it was a leap for maybe not Matt but Tom to make it on it, they weren't going to get booted off. Like this was either their way, or they would, or this was going to be the way to the way to get to where they're going. So. Tension, what it was, they were going to work it out. And we yeah. already knew Matt had, Matt, hold on. I don't know if people have read far enough, but Matt, Matt had a lot of money in his pocket. Silas, <laughs> don't fucking tell them he's rich. Have we gotten that far yet? Yeah, we've gotten that far. All right, all right. Go, 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 go. Okay, still whispering. <laughs> Yes. Welcome to the ASMR segment of the podcast. <laughs> Let me whisper in your ear. Wait, do you see that? Oh. <laughs> Matt took out the ambulance letter and slyly showed it to the ship captain. We just turned Did you get my Ying Yang twins uh, reference there? Uh, <laughs> hey, Not only was Rob reading to us, but he was whispering the read. Rob, keep going. <laughs> Your God, that was beautiful. <laughs> I hope my noise gate doesn't cut this out because it'd be great. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, so, um, yeah, so the captain, um, what's his name? Malia? Malia? Is his last name? Malia? Captain. Let's move anyway. on. Captain. Captain tells them that uh, the cabins are all full, they can sleep on the deck. And this is where I think it's a hilarious scene where Matt's like, no. Um, so how much would it cost to have your cabin and all your food? <laughs> and the captain's like, yeah, that would cost you like a shit ton of money. He's like, all right, to, how much? To find a shit ton. Because <laughs> I just done did, I just done did, took a I, shit I, I, to in my money. trousers. <laughs> <laughs> and I so, feel like I got you covered. Yeah, so how much does it cost? And he's like, it costs us much. He goes, done. <laughs> Can we talk about how relevant our recording is right now to actual Wall Street phenomenon? Is that even worth <laughs> because, Sure, go for so it. Uh, yeah, I mean... We don't have enough time to go into it in detail. If you're, if you're catching up six years from now, you're going to have to Google, and hopefully Google's honest with you and read into it. But right now we're at a moment where... There's a large group of folks that have been uh, hanging out together in hedge funds and uh, making bets for or against the market. And recently, they made a bet against a, a small portion of the market. And there was a bunch of small people that showed up and d decided to, um, well, actually, they just did the math. And they were like, guys, if enough of us stand up against this... Uh, we, we could actually make money and make them Wait, lose money. Time out. So um, let me explain this in the best, best layman terms I've ever heard. So most people don't understand exactly what shorting the market means. Um, 
So uh, I'll explain this in, in, in extreme layman's terms, and hopefully you guys understand this. So let's say I go to Ian and say, hey, Ian, yo, can I buy your bike for like a week? I'll give it back to you on Friday. Ian's like, sure, I'll let you have my bike for a week. Because like, oh, I don't cool. need it till Friday. Right, because you don't need it till Friday, right? So I take it on Monday, and I take his bike on Monday, and I immediately go and sell it for 100 bucks, right? Because I'm hoping that by Friday, the bike will only be worth 50 bucks, and then I can buy that bike back for 50 bucks, give it back to Ian. Ian doesn't know the difference. I keep the difference. I keep the 50 bucks put in my pocket, give Ian back his bike. No harm, no foul. I just made 50 bucks easy. The problem is, I say, yo, Ian, let me borrow your bike. I sell his bike, and then on Friday, it's worth $1,000. <laughs> and then Ian comes and says, yo, let me have a bike back. He goes, yeah, about your bike. Um, Perfect. Okay. <laughs> Perfect example. Perfect example. Uh, I, 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 yeah, about your bike. Um, so, um, yeah, you're saying? <laughs> I know. I got I – got- that, that, that's how it works. I got so wound up with your perfect example and my finishing. Hey, celebrate right now. Everybody where you're at, I have officially finished the second. By so, the so, for, for, so for the, the, the real world example is GameStop was $5 a share yeah. and they were shorting it down to $2 a share. And um, the, at the time came due where they had where they were trying to buy it at $2 and the market went up to $300. So they had to now buy that bike back that they sold for five dollars for three hundred and fifty dollars, which done over a billion dollars worth is Ugh. a shit ton of money. I really yep. wish that was <laughs> that is uh, many many nights of gambling for Matt. Yes, you want to talk Where? about many nights of gambling? <clears throat> How about knowing folks that are not big time money folks that are holding on a big positions right now and they're holding them to prove a point that's yeah oof god bless them i don't know (sighs) so somebody tell me how i went down that rabbit hole with this book because swear to god (laughs) (laughs) i have no alan what's your oh no i'm drinking uh, rum now and you got me excited about shorting stock so (laughs) what's the the record length for a podcast episode alan (laughs) Uh, i think it's 1 a.m so we still got another hour left Um, i had tom if you don't mind captain or uh matt excuse me if you don't mind captain can we see your cabin your cabin i mean it's late and i for one want a few hours of sleep Look at Chris get us back on target. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> playing the game. Matt's playing the game. There you go. Matt knows, Matt knows what he has and what he's working with. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, so they go down to the cabin. Um, um, Tom, I also, I, I don't want to pass up that Tom tries to offer his services too and gets completely shut down because I thought that was hilarious too. Tom's like, well, I can perform for your crew. And he's like, yeah, my crew's here to work. Not to be entertained, <laughs> like, like you're worth nothing to me. <laughs> yeah. oh, that's hilarious. Well, yeah. So they go below below deck, and they go to the captain. I think it was hilarious. I actually felt bad for him for a little bit. I mean, not for a little bit, for a lot of bit. Like that. That that's kind of what he was clinging on to. Is this is what I have? I'm so good at it. It should be a thing, no matter where I go. It's not a thing here. Nope. It doesn't matter. You know, for a minute, I thought we were going to see our favorite captain pop back up. 
Good old Bill Doman. Yeah, First second, split second. I feel you. Yep. And then this is the right opposite of Doman. Doman probably would have taken him up on it just to keep his crew mouth shut. This guy's like, yo, they're here to work. They're gonna work. I need you to pay or get off my boat. Yeah. Just straightforward businessman. Black. Did you see black that Bill Doman joke the other day, boys? No, I did not. I actually did a Bell Doman joke like two days ago or something crazy. Yes, with um, it. Let's do it. All right. So, do you know why 3.141592653599 is Bell Doman's favorite number? Oh, shit. Well, that's pi. Yeah. It's pretty nerds it's close, but not quite. Why? Well, why? There's, there's lots of dots after it to imply there's more. Um, because he's a pirate. Uh, oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I actually like that one. So nice. Well, I appreciate that. I also understand why there's not a huge following for your dad jokes. <laughs> so, so, it takes a certain what, level. Do you, uh, do you know what a pirate's favorite letter is? What? It's, most it's people, you know, a, you know what a pirate's, you know, pirate's favorite letter is. Most, most, no, it's the no, C. it's the C. It'd be the C. <laughs> It'd be the C. The trouble is when you know the joke, everybody waits around for him to say, "Say R, damn it, say R, say R, say R, say R." I think I've even made that joke. And our podcast has not gone down the tubes. So. I'm, I'm a math teacher, so that's I'm going to find a famous pirate that the kids will all know, and I'm going to use that. Yes, uh, Captain Jack Sparrow, our uh, yes. Blackbeard. Our... Captain Jack's favorite number, you know. Um, yeah. Why? I mean, there's, a lot, there's lots of yeah. There's baking jokes in there. There's all sorts you can do with pirates. So oh, yeah. I, I did mention on this podcast that William and Mary was founded with pirate booty, right? I'm I'm fairly certain yes. I that. Yeah. I don't know if you mentioned that before, but it was. Yes. Yeah, it was. William so Mary, I, in case friend. I've mentioned it, I won't go down that rabbit hole. But William Blair, uh, King William, Queen Mary uh, negotiations. Let's get some money. Talk to the guy that's who, who's in prison. He gives up where the pirate booty is. They get to take the money. And found a school. Yada yada yada. William and Mary, like academically. The most challenging university in uh, the United States, if not all of America. Sorry, Canada. But yeah, yeah. Pirate booty. So let's let's keep let's keep going. So they go down below, and the captain starts moving his crap out of the room and starts Asgar just talking to them. Um, you know, it's, it, Captain believes they're messengers to Queen Morgays. Because he's heard there's trouble between Tarf Allen and Endor. And Matt and Tom are like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, they're cool. Like Tarf Allen and Kaylin, they're 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 totally cool. Like there's nothing wrong there. Um, and he goes on to talk about, you know, and, and then he the captain just keeps on going on and on about his distrust to all these different nations. He talks about Malane um and Ileon and even even Tarf Allen, the White Tower, and says basically they're all a bunch of crap. Uh, because tear is the best because that's where he's from. Um, yeah, so you 
you can in you can give all the detail about what he is complaining about because it's all lumped into the same category. Unless unless you feel hit at all, because this is one of these this is one of these odd points of character point of views. Like you, you kind of trust what you hear from the folks from the trades, but with a grain of salt, right? Like uh-huh. you, you want to believe everything he's saying is true, and it kind of fits into the story that we're learning right now. But he, he is probably the least uh, objective point of view we could possibly get, because everything he's does, sure. everything he does is based on profit. And yeah. what he can earn. Well, I'm, he, here, I'm hearing he it. Lives in a democracy, or a lucid democracy. Yeah, maybe not what democracy. Capitalism-ish, but it's still a telephone capitalism. You know, we're not we're not witnessing the true buy sell margins, all that jazz. There's people's opinion getting thrown in here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he even goes as far to to quote, you know, um, that there's a high there's a high lord salmon who um, who talked about how the white tower means to crush every nation, and tears should go and hunt down all the sisters and kill them all, and and, and he believes in this this high lord from Tyr. Um, he kind of talks about him almost reverently. So I I, did, I had question marks around that. What you guys salmon. think about that? Is that how you pronounce it? Saman salmon. Yeah. You know, I, I think the whole idea behind this montage is just kind of glorify, I guess it almost be like a parliamentary type democracy and about how people get to make their own choice in this land, but they also revere their high lords and they bring, he continuously highlights this high lord, but it's not one that Tom recognizes. Bingo. So my question is, is when did this person appear on the scene? Could he be a dark friend trying to manipulate the common folk against enemies of the dark one? Is this guy going to be our problem? Is he there to try to also take the the sword if it's not in the dreamscape and is actually in tier, physically there, able to be grabbed? Like is his job to watch it to make sure the dragon doesn't get to it mm. um, or is mm. his job to try to find a way to get it before the dragon can um, so because he's creating a lot of discord amongst you know regular people so that kind of throws attention away from tear itself and outward against everybody else so I was in this position of dragging my feet as I heard about him. Um, Mostly because we've heard about these High Lords before and I wasn't perfectly recalling them and I actually had to go back and reread a little bit about them. And, And Chris, to be fair, you didn't miss out too much. It was just they existed. They're not a fan of Aes Sedai, all this jazz. But when I combined it with Tom, not it wasn't that Tom didn't know about a new one coming up. 
and I know they happened simultaneously, it was that Tom didn't hear about one that passed away. And we know that there's it's a one-for-one, one, right? Or it should be one-for-one. One. That's why I put a lot of credit to that. The fact that Tom didn't hear about one passing away, and there's this rumor about a new one that he doesn't know about. That, I don't know. I just... There's a lot of sus building up. So I have nowhere to put the sus. I am not applying it to anybody, but I'm just saying, like, let's say in a video game, you have this meter alongside your fighting character. If there's a sus meter, my fucking sus meter is pretty high right now. We're talking three quarter or higher. And I just don't know where to put the sus. Okay. Interesting. Guys, that was yeah. that was your chance, Malkir. That's where you say. That's where you say. <laughs> well, stupid. Thank you. Well, I, that's I, the I, dumbest thing I've ever heard. heard. I have a question for, for no points people. awarded. <laughs> um. Well. Well. One. One specifically for Chris. Uh. With what he raised, and then sort of one that you could sort of go for both of you. So, Chris, you say like you know, is this person a dark friend? Are they got to stop the dragon from getting the sword, or somehow get it themselves? Like. That sounds like a pretty powerful dark friend. Like, I could easily be one of the Forsaken Escapement. Oh, all right, okay. Say it was a Forsaken that has escaped, and this individual has the powers that they do, then he may have just implanted himself in. Or herself. Herself. True. Into the situation. And boom, there you go. Okay. Interesting. Um, my my other question is, Tom's not exactly in the best frame of mind right now. As you've said, of you know, you both said yourselves, like he's been drinking lots. He's you know taking himself to the worst places possible for self punishment. Right. Like, is it really that? You know, unrealistic that he hasn't caught all the attention of what's well, happening in team. You have to believe that Tom's actually losing his mind. And that, that's one way. I'll let you finish, but that's one way. Like I don't want to believe that Tom is losing his mind, so I want to feel like he's been so down and out that he is disconnected in general from reality because he's dragged himself into oblivion, or again. Uh, I don't know. That that's that's where my my hesitation lies. Like I don't, I don't know. You 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 can't assume that somebody um, uh, is wise or somebody that has maybe they're not wise at the time. Where's where how do we put this? Somebody who has uh, access to the knowledge that he does and understanding of his own capabilities he he's at the point that he is self-actualized as far as he could be but there's so much that he doesn't know and it's all coming together and maybe it seems so depressing da, 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 but like you can't assume that um shit i need a third bottle of wine to finish this statement and i only have two uh, here i'll give you a <laughs> I'm just, my, 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 like, he's still Tom. 
Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. There you go. Like, I don't believe that he's lost his mind. I think that hasn't really made it out because it's newer and being managed. And the only people that know are the people that are close to the situation. Thank you. Thank you. That's a good point. I think, I think, I think Tom has gone. If we're talking specifically about Tom, he's gone deep in his depression. He's gone deep into his attachment to the world and what he thought he owed and what he thought he knew. And when we, even when we talk about what we thought he knew, what he knew about Aes Sedai is totally related to his nephew. And let's be honest at this point, maybe his nephew was not treated unfairly, but he, he thought his nephew wasn't. He's just, there's all these convoluted things that are fucking with his psyche. But when it comes down to it, Tom is actually a, I just get the vibe. He's a good fucking dude. With phenomenal skills, and maybe he's not a Tavarian, maybe he's not one of our males that channel, but he's he's gonna be one of these characters that just fucking weave that loom along the edge and provide something that we need for our other characters to succeed. So, okay, so what you're kind of saying is even on the ropes, Tom is still a badass and can still figure shit out. Like Tom's a badass ropes or no ropes. All of the warriors of this story at some point when we do our tribute and they line up and present the medals, even if even if even if Tom does his thing in this book or the next, at like the end, they're all gonna line up and pad their chest and go with two mustaches though. Like everybody's gonna be inspired by him, you know? He's just right. at okay. the heart of it. He's at the heart of it. Interesting. I just, uh, yeah, I just wanted to, hmm. to hear your thoughts on, um, you know, Tom's personal situation and how that might affect his uh, ability to garner information. But, uh, uh, you know, the, you have a lot of faith in Tom. So I do. I mean, it, hmm. it's, it's arguable that he's out of the know because he has killed a king, so he wouldn't be, he wouldn't have the access to the information that he once did. Or wouldn't be bold enough to get the access because he's now being looked for by other crowds. But I don't think he's out of his mind. Not yet. Okay. All right. Awesome. So at this point, Tom goes to bed because the, the, the captain leaves. Uh, Tom goes to bed. Um, and uh, and during this time, Matt tries to roll the dice a few times. So before Tom goes to bed, Matt rolls the dice. It comes up as the dark one's eyes, like two times in a row. That could mean something, but I don't want to touch it, even though I feel like we should. But I feel like we did. But Tom, Tom, yeah, but Tom wants to know, like, where'd you get those dice? Like, and he's like, I won my money with other people's dice, not with mine. And Tom's kind of, kind of like calling bullshit, <laughs> like, 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 okay, well, something's wrong here. Um, that doesn't happen. Um. And he also wants to know where he got his uh, his armaments note from. Exactly. Yeah, and, and yeah, and he's like, I got it from Elaine, and or, you know, from the girls. And, and Tom's still suspicious. Like, okay, you're not telling the truth. He's like, well, I am, but that's doesn't really go any further than that. Tom doesn't really know what's going on with everybody. He's not all knowing. No, he's not. No, yeah. So he definitely doesn't believe Matt 
in math. Like, yeah. Well, whatever. Yep. And so at this point, Tom goes to sleep. Uh, Elaine or in in and Matt starts to think about Elaine's letter and his luck and the foot pads and and as he's laying in bed, kind of tossing and turning, not not being able to sleep, thinking about everything, uh, he hears footsteps in the hall. I, I gotta give, I gotta give, I gotta give one line in case there's anybody else out there that thinks the way that I do, but Tom is letting people be honest until they prove that they're not. Okay. And that's, if it doesn't hit you, it doesn't hit you. If it hits you, it hits you. Mm-hmm. Oh, but yeah. yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Footsteps on the dock and the, ho- the hall in the, the hall in the hall. So the boat, boat's already left this point. So this is footsteps in the hall outside the um, door. Yep. So the door yeah. swung open and two cloaked men, one behind the other, were faintly outlined by dim moonlight through the hatch at the top of the ladder they had crept down. The but moonlight knives, yeah. The moonlight was enough to glint off their knife blades. Both men gasped. They obviously had not expected to find anyone waiting for them. Matt mm-hmm. thrust with the quarterstaff, catching the first man hard right under the ribs, joined together. He heard his father's voice where he struck. That's a killer. <laughs> like that that's like, a killing blow <laughs> that was the best like scene for me in this chapter it's like don't use it unless it's your life but those knives made it made it for his life there was no room in the cabin for swinging a staff like here's another instance where instinct kicks in matt's hearing dad's advice so clearly he's been trained without being trained to he had already but he had already used it and he knew as he had already used it because he had to. He, there was no other choice. I, but he had already used it, and his then the voice comes through: "Don't use it unless you mean for it to be a death blow, because that dude's gonna fucking die." Yeah. yeah, but it's all instinctual. It kicks in. He can, again, is this because it's Tavirin? Is it because he's touched by the dagger? Is it? Yeah power flowing through him. These are all questions that we've had over the last couple of chapters and we can hit Does on he have and, and he rounds and kills the other guy too. I mean, there's two guys that come in. He kills both of them. Quick succession. He did a papow, but the papow is not that important. It's after the papow, he realizes he's, he's not in position to do the papow pow. And he tries to react, but, but before he can, and he already knew he couldn't, the person he warned in the beginning to wake up because there's some mofo stomping around pipes up and does what? Kills him. But how? Come on, somebody. Oh, no, this is later. This is later. Yeah. This is when Matt's on deck. Exactly. So this is when they're still down below. So he kills two down below and then goes up on deck. <laughs> but but he kills two below. Before he goes on deck, he thinks you know he's killed three men in one night. So I, I think at this point, Matt's not killed anyone. This like so he's killed three people, three I mean, people in one night. <laughs> isn't three people the like the the point that it becomes murder, and then like it goes from murder to being a serial killer? It's a killer, I, I yeah, think I so. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, I, I, mean, I guess it depends on whether it's all self defense and in time of war versus bingo. Because uh, yeah, maybe, uh, maybe, versus. Maybe. versus Killing out of out of out of joy. I know. Um, I was or, just going to talk yeah. Tej. Sorry. <laughs> no, Tej. Tej is fine because 
I do that on most Wednesday nights because yeah. we record on Tuesdays and then Wednesday is me and my own thoughts. And so I think the difference is if you brother. murder three people, you become a serial killer. If you kill three people in self-defense or an act of war, it's not, that doesn't make you a serial killer. It just makes you a, a, a soldier. <laughs> they, base that, they base that on your own sworn statement and you still got to live with that. And Matt was pretty, pretty sneaky because he makes his way up onto the deck and he realizes that there's guys there or there's a guy there that, you know, is with the guys that he just killed. And he's like, he's dead. He said in a low, rough whisper. And the guy's like, I hope he squealed when you cut his throat. The heavy accent and voice was one that remembered calling from the mouth of a twisting street in Tarvalon. This boy, he's caused us too much of... No, this boy, he causes us too much the trouble. Which I'm like, what what trouble has Matt caused anybody? Unless it's in regard to the horn or the dagger. Of gambling. Well, Some people's money. I, I guess you could, but no, the people it, trying to kill him right now are beyond the gambling. No. I know. <laughs> Again, I'm playing Dills out. He's got a lot of money though. I mean, he does. No, I know. Throwing it around. I and I have nothing in the reading. Again, this is one of those moments. It's feeling this. Is, so to give credit to Jordan and Chris, maybe you could point to something solid. But like, I feel that there's nothing in what we've read so far that says these people are just coming after the money. Yada yada yada. Because it's a lot of fucking money. It's a lot of fucking money that he won. When you think about what he paid for their for, for their cabin and he still had money left over, that's enough to be for people to do stupid shit. I mean, he had multiple purses. But mm-hmm. I think we're way beyond that in what these people are coming after. Yeah. Jordan wants oh, to sure. take about the money, but it's not about the money. I think yeah. what, really, what really got me, though, and this is what set me off on the tangent that Tom is still in his right mind, was how skillfully he popped up and made the kill. Boop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when he gets up on deck, yeah, that guy, the tiller, is another assassin, and Matt takes him out. But then another guy sneaking up behind him, and then yeah, Matt couldn't turn around. Tom takes him out, and as he was turning around, realizing that he couldn't make the move that he needed to make, Tom went, "Bitty bitty bop bop, boop shubop shubop." <laughs> A knife was thrown. What was it that really sparked Tom to finally get up? And like Tom makes the inference, like he he moved early because first he took care of the lancer and that. Did you you just ask what what got Tom up? Uh, The fact that Matt killed two guys? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so now Tom's only aroused by death blows. What's oh. wrong with you, Alan? I mean, if I'm if if and, I'm sleeping and, I, and all of a sudden I hear someone like beat the shit out of two guys with a stick, you're gonna get a hard on. What's wrong? With I'm me? gonna wake up. <laughs> okay, oh, yeah, because up. okay, you know, you're suggesting these. You know, I don't know where I'm going with this. I'm gonna stop there. Um, you, you, no. you you were attempting to defend the hard on. I put you 
between a rock yeah. and a hard place. No, no I was um, oh, I was trying to work in the fact that Alan's a dark friend, to be honest, but I didn't oh, really know. Oh yeah, well that's going, that's so. that's a that's a no that's a known fact. Exactly. Um, I just. Uh, just, I lost my train of thought. Just, just very, <laughs> very dark. Friendly. Friendly. Lost, just say it, and everybody. It's the sound effects. It. I couldn't find the right sound effects to go with it. That's why, like you know, I didn't didn't have a good piao or anything. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, um, it's, it's the dark only way. Lucky, you were lucky, boy. Very lucky, boy. Very lucky indeed. Mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like as much as Alan joked there for a second, and you're right to bring it up. That's a that's an honest question at this point of the story about the timing of how everything happened but i still feel like so i felt like from the beginning that matt gave a quick notice to tom hey tom wake up something's not right but tom was never moving in normal cadence to time he was he was responding to every threat just poop pow bing bing bang bang poop pow peep pow and Tom was also responding at his normal cadence to time, and that's when he showed up. So it just mm-hmm. kind of seemed to come together for me. I wasn't surprised. Yeah. But it also and, um, the difference. It, there's emphasis that Matt moved faster and did a lot of shit. There's some power. There's some emphasis mm-hmm. on some syllables. Tom is no longer drunk. Yeah. Well, Tom sobers up real fast at this point. And Tom is sobering <laughs> up. There's a lot of things yeah. coming together. And yeah. And, and I love this next part where they take out these two guys and then there's two more guys in the boat, you know, that they've tied on behind the this boat. And uh and they call out to them, you know, and, and the two guys jump off the boat. <laughs> 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 like it's just a classic scene, like, oh shit, we're we're caught. Tom Tom goes, so uh hey. Matt, you want me to fuck these these two up also? You want me to kill these guys too? And Matt goes, <laughs> I mean, that's what they hear. Matt's response is, <laughs> but they didn't get, they didn't care what his response was. They yeah. said, you know what, you know what, we're gonna test our yeah. luck. And then jump overboard. And, and 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 Tom makes the comment saying that at this point the river's so wide that they won't make it back to shore. Um, mm-hmm. They're they're dead men by jumping overboard. So, and that ends this little bit of a uh, exchange between um, uh, the, the 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 assassins and Tom and Matt. It, the captain comes up and says, "You know what's with all the dead bodies?" And they're like, "Get yeah, river brigands! There are people trying to rob us, and we took them out. So you should give us back our money." That's the favorite part. You should rethink your feet. Yep. <laughs> like, and they work fast to get like that little boat attached to the the main ship like it was already leaving so yeah fast work yeah definitely so um any thoughts i mean and then this this little scene ends with matt going back back below but um any thoughts about the scene before we switch characters anything we missed what's crazy is i have no thoughts about what happens from here forward Mm-hmm. But I feel like we haven't even scratched all of the questions that I came up with in the last yeah. couple of chapters. Well, I yeah, liked your description of Matt time versus Tom time. And I'm just thinking of, um, you know, Matt being Neo from the Matrix after, you know, in like the, the second movie where he's like, oh, upgrades. 
You know, I've just got that. Where he watches everything perfectly. Oh, wait um, a minute. I can fly now. Sure. Yeah, and then right at the very end, you just merge in like the first movie a little bit. Right at the very end where he's about to get like taken out, there's Trinity in the form of Tom just being like, pow, take out the guy behind you. <laughs> Yes. That was when you were describing that whole scene, that was exactly how it was working for me. But that's how I meant. I'm glad you picked that up because at least so they're gonna got it. they're gonna fire Alexandra Wilhelm and or Willem and um and replace it with Carrie Ann Moss, uh Trinity and <laughs> Hey, you know, I'm I'm all down for gender bending, you know, so uh, no, yeah, hundred well, percent. I reckon she could pull it off. Shut it's gonna be, it's it's gonna be expensive. Sure. If they rely on my input, I need to be Two bottles deep, just to give a coherent statement, and that and you have a you have a five minute window. <laughs> so, anything we missed before we switched around? Nope. Okay, so we switched around. Uh, we haven't seen from Rand for a while. So, the funny thing about this book is this book is called The Dragon Reborn, and Rand's not really in it. <laughs> so you're so. laughing. I feel like that's knowingly. Does that mean Rand's not the dragon? I don't want to talk about it yet. Okay. Anyway, so let's keep going. So uh, we switched to Rand, and he's at a campfire, and um, he's playing the flute, and he's kind of like one. He's playing the flute out of a song. He's been playing all these weddings, and he's wondering if he really is Tavirin. And he thinks about all the faces he's seen in his dreams, and everyone's coming to try to kill him. Um, and he also had a dream about Elaine, Nynaeve, and Egwene. Um, being captured and hurt and that's how really the chapter ends so it's a really short little brief here's rand he's kind of having some mental problems and in in scene so any thoughts go there are a few things that kind of stood out to me it was the they say I'm the dragon reborn too they all say it the living say it and the dead and that doesn't make it true I had to let them proclaim me duty. I had no choice, but that doesn't make it true. So he's having a lot of identity crisis issues, and it does beg the question, is he going to be the final Dragon Reborn, or are we just seeing the Aes Sedai try to manipulate the situation? Because we don't know if it's entirely true yet. We have our assumptions. I mean, like he said, the living and the dead both proclaimed it. So... You you would think that there shouldn't be a question at this point, but you know it, it makes you wonder. And then he realizes that there's shadow spawn after him, coming at him in his dreams. But then he also sees that with Egwene, there could be something a little bit different in his dreams with her, because she does come to him so often. Because he said dreams in the plural. Um, and that he often thought that he would marry her, so it's still a thought in his periphery. And he just talks about the nightmares, but he also talks about the hopes. And then he highlights men and how he has just these feelings for men that he can't shake. And that it was her, them as her, that faced him the most. And so... You know, I think, again, we're, we're seeing the removal of Egwene kind of in his life and then the entrance of men as being the one that he may end up with. 
And then, of course, he talks about Celine coming and how she continues to offer him glory or had offered him glory. But now it was the sword she said he had to take. So now she's trying to manipulate him towards Kalendor. And so the horn is no longer the focus because that's on mm. Matt. It's like, is she playing all of the men? Is she trying to put her pieces together? Like, she's trying to get Matt to fall for it. She's trying to get Rand to do her bidding. And then, you know, Heron's kind of snuck up on her. Interesting. So I'm wondering what role she needs them to play for what end she's trying to meet. Because she's also manipulating the girls, too. She's literally manipulating the entire group outside of Moraine, as far as we know. Hmm. So in this section, the only thing I underline, and I have nothing in the margins, I have no comments, it's just only a point of emphasis as if to ask, what the fuck? I underlined... Um, She'd come into dreams, though. It might have it might have been her, her face. It was her face. Those were all in his mind. It was italicized. And then it says, only there had been so many faces. Faces he knew. Tam and his mother and Matt and Perrin, all trying to kill him. It had not really been them, of course. Only their faces on Shadow Spawn. And I will back up to say first that he talked about his mother and he mentioned Tam as Tam, not as father. So we're definitely past the obvious realization that Tam is not a biological father, that he's accepted Tam as Tam. But he's a time traveler. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> he most certainly is, but so is Rand. 100%. I'm not letting go of that. Okay. Time traveling Rand. Okay. <laughs> Hashtag. Let's put it in there. Is, is that new? Because uh, no, like, Rand back in the past. So we just never outright said that Rand was a time traveler. They traveled together. Yeah. They did their thing. Yeah. But uh, I, I think so. I joke. I I laid some jokes down there. But the most important part was the. Um, it had not really been them, of course, only their faces on Shadow Spawn. So we knew Shadow Spawn had the way, like, they could lurk. They could slide in, slide out. They can work their way through certain defenses. Um, but the fact that they, they could come at you and wear faces, that's... I've... I've I've judged Rand negatively so many times, but in this brief moment, I've never felt so bad for him. But it's uh, happened before. Mm -hmm. It kind of makes Bialzaman seem regular because these tricks that are happening, the ability to kill somebody in the dream world and it happened in the real world, the fact that he has to defend himself, the fact that he's seeing his friends turn on him, He's going through these crazy lucid dreams to the point where he doesn't want to sleep anymore. Yeah. It makes Bialzaman seem less of an evildoer, in my opinion, you know? Like he's not the greatest evil out there. You're not you're not wrong. I, I guess I think 
and I agree with you. I guess what think what makes this extremely difficult for me is very brief moment of a Rand perspective is uh, his he can't trust anybody else and he can't even trust himself and that is that's a scary fucking moment like it, it, yeah. at least if you could be in a point where you know you can't trust yourself but you can cling to somebody that you can trust that at least has somewhat of your own well-being uh, in in their decision making process like that's at least something to cling to you know mm-hmm uh, but if you're in a place where you can't trust anything that presents itself to you, that's at the, at this point as a reader, I don't know where Rand finds hope. Not, of a mad man. not being able to find hope is scary for me. That needs to be still. Yeah. 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 Rob, anything from you? I had a question. Um, kind of a, about uh, Rand's mental health at this point. Mm. So obviously men who channel go mad. Um, this has you know, been explained and this is obviously the purpose for various reasons of there not being male channelers in the world. Um, and he talks about seeing his friends' faces on Shadowspawn. Do you think he's really seeing these things? Just regular dreams, nightmares? Is it the taint, like a mix? How are we feeling, sort of thing? Well, we know Gwen's real. Yeah, she did get some of his dreams. So he didn't know point, that, but we know that. He, yeah, he didn't, but we know that. So at some point, he did sleep, or at some point, he does sleep. He hates it, he fears it, and then it's happening. So I don't think. It's happening in reality. I think it is all happening in this dreamscape. Mm-hmm. And I kind of, this is where I struggle. I Part of me thinks it is him going mad. The other part of me is like, the Alzheimer's said that, you know, you'll be mine in life or in death. And right now, ran so far out of reach. And I feel like Biazamon feels like he's kind of losing grip on the things that are happening. I mean, we got Landfair now, who's a major player. We have this new High Lord who could potentially be a, uh, an escapee as well. So maybe he's seeing all of these different players come out. And we've got now dark Black Aja that are outright attacking. We've got the manipulation of the white cloaks. We got Pat Bane manipulating a couple different groups. So maybe Bialzaman's got this sense of I need to kill him or have him killed so that I can take control of the situation before somebody else does. Yeah. How so crazy have- how crazy is it at this point? And I'm not saying I'm echoing what you're saying, but from my perspective, I feel like Bialzaman is a low level player at this point <laughs> mm-hmm. not that long ago he was running shit and now i'm i now i'm going was he just a distraction or was he just a hopeful low-level bad dude early on like he's not even the he's not even the problem so here's the thing if 
And I'm jumping topics. If I feel like that Rand is going to continue as a character, and I feel like he is, if Rand dies out now, I guess, I guess, I guess there's enough going on between Matt and Perrin we could recover, as far as the storyline and the series. But that would be tough if we lost Rand. So if we if we save Rand, how do we do that? Rand's at a Rand's at a trust no one place like. Just shit's getting wild for him. Mm-hmm. And I talked earlier on tonight about how my stupidity, I didn't pay attention to the fact that we had a guest that was part of the Black Tower podcast. Like maybe I just thought that was a way of dudes being dudes when there was a white tower in the series. You know, I just, I don't know. But the reality is, it is. <laughs> it is, but maybe it isn't. But maybe it it actually exists. Like there's, there's got to maybe there is, maybe there's not. If it's not the Black Tower itself, then maybe there's. I just I feel like there's there's got to be something that Rand clings to going forward. There has to be a bit of hope. Because, but what about the Magenta Tower? Because I feel like Alan, the Magenta Tower Alan, needs Alan. <laughs> At no point. In this podcast, have I ever suggested that you are failing us as a team? But that line right there, that's that's the only point where we could all say, I feel it, Chris, am I wrong? Sorry, excuse me, I'm just going to go set up a podcast called The Magenta Tower. The Magenta Tower. (laughs) Us our friends in Black Aja have to stick together, don't we, Alan? (sighs) Alan, that was a shirt. You should be like, sure, and ended it. Let him just marinate on the I'm saying you you way crossed the line. You're, no. And I'm not saying Magenta Tower may not happen, but we are not there yet. Where's the Rainbow Tower? Come on. (laughs) And that might happen too, but... (laughs) <laughs> also, we are not there yet. <laughs> not even close. So I don't know. I my emphasis Anyways. is Rand is in a hopeless situation, and uh, I actually feel for him. And I I hope somewhere somehow something someone throws a fucking triple braided six hundred pound test line to him because he's in a bad spot. Yeah. So. No, he is. Cool. Okay. Any final thoughts from this chapter? Uh, the last thought, and then we can be done with this, is, you know, you said he needs something to latch on to, and he's got it. He just doesn't realize it. The reason why he keeps playing that tune is because it makes him think of Egwene, who he thought once Mary. He still has hope in finding love. He's clinging to Egwene because that's his most familiar, because throughout all of his flicker moments, she was the one. I think that's going to be the difference in this timeline, this weave of the wheel, is that yes. we're going to transfer from Egwene to men. As Egwene has seen her potential future and decided to kind of live that path, she realizes that she's got to do something about Rand. And so now somebody else is going to step in and it's going to change timeline. Hmm. I like, okay. I like that you hit both sides because part of me feels like the opposite side is I mean, they're probably equally important, but I feel like Egwene's perspective is maybe more important, but probably equally important. And and I and I thank you for our listeners for saying, Ian, reread this, reread this, reread this. 
and is where I started tonight. And 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 it took me back to her acceptance trials and everything else. And every time she had to betray Rand, it it burned her to her core, to her heart, to like it doesn't matter what her mind told her she needed to do for the moment. Her heart ached for having to betray him. And I agree that Rand, if Rand um, survives, it's going to be solely because Egwene decides to make it so. Yeah, I don't, Interesting. I don't, I don't know if that's... I don't know if that's too big of a fling, but like I feel like it, it, it's not him stepping out; it's her stepping out to make it happen, and it's her defying the odds, and it, and it's her. It's what we read in the last chapter. It's her. I know I've been told this. This is what has been ingrained in me. This is what's been told to me. But I have, I have all of this in my heart. I have all of these different scenarios in my acceptance test where I know where my heart lies versus what my brain is telling me. And that's her conflict. And, and Rand, where we're at right now is just dangling in the fucking wind. He, what does Rand have to trust right now? Uh, Mm. Oh no. Nothing. That's what I'm feeling. I don't know. Okay. All right. So, favorite characters from these chapters? D's. I select D's. D's nuts. Uh, well, Got him. Yeah. Tom is back, so just out of pure bias. Yeah, I go Tom. Nah, that's a good one, Chris. Ian, you got a real one? I do. I'm going to select the South Harbor in general. I mean, the South Harbor Harbor Master. I mean, not the Harbor Master, but the fact that the South Harbor is just so big. And there's all of these boats of all different sizes just waiting to get mm-hmm. inside of just, it. Just, just, just hanging out. Yeah. And South Harbor is just lives there, you know. South Harbor's mm-hmm. chilling there nonchalantly, like, okay, today we'll take. It would take a small boat. Ah, no, fuck. Yeah. That wasn't cool. Give me a big boat. Mm-hmm. No, that wasn't also. Fuck it. The big boat wasn't doing it. Give me yeah. two small boats. Oh, yep. Yeah. Yep. 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 That was good. Mm-hmm. Yep. Back to one small yep. boat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for more boats. <laughs> yeah. There you go. All right. Sounds good. Yeah. Um, so next week we'll do three chapters again. Three, three. That's three guys. Three chapters. One, two, three. Three um, chapters. Three chapters. Uh, so thank you so much, Rob, uh, for coming on and hanging out with us, doing your thing. Um, so tell us, how can people support you? Uh, you can support me by liking, subscribing, following, all those sorts of things. Um, mm-hmm. You know, just search Malkia Talks and you'll find it. Um, if you love my logo, which is the the funky M, it's on various bits and pieces of merch. I've, I'm in the Frosted Mug Society. I'm in good company, Ooh. but the wheel reads. 
and uh, yeah, I have. In fact, I have it's my my mug right next to me. I've been drinking from it tonight. Um, so you could you know buy merch and stuff like that, or you could even pop over to my Patreon and support me there, which would be wonderful. Yeah. But uh, if you just want to listen or watch, I'm, I'm still which which, which we just did. Yeah, we're we're now a Patreon. Oh of, my god, seriously! Of, of Malgear talks. Yeah, oh, yeah, no, we did. That is yeah, so, so kind. Thank you. So yeah, and, so and we, also Alan has the ability to purchase if you're in the frosty mug world, Alan mm-hmm. can purchase a frosty mug for me, Chris, and Alan. And <laughs> and I will I will invest in that. <laughs> wow. And I, and Alan, because I was drunk and gave him all of my financial data. Yeah, Alan has a way of making that happen. So I've made it happen. Well, All I am right. I am working on the frosty mug collection. Um, I so have two are, are, are are we now going to buy three frosty mugs? Let's switch again. to Star Trek and Alan. Make it. Yep. So. Make, make it, it so. so. Make oh. it so. All right. Sounds good. Awesome. Well, yeah. So go check out Malkier Talks on YouTube or on podcasts wherever you listen to your podcast, or you can type Malkier Talks on YouTube and watch his. Fabulous videos. Um, Rob's great. And thank you so much for coming on. No, it's been a pleasure. Um, thank you for having me. Yeah, really it's, been, it. it's been fun. It's just it's it's also fun. You're our first international guest as well. So we've had <gasps> really oh that's cool. I love that. I, I, I think so. I can't think of, yeah, yeah. Now everyone else has been in the States. So um we, it was we, worth staying we, up until six AM then. Bro, yeah, brother, exactly. you had me at honey cakes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, well, how we can be found, we can be found at The Wheel Reads on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all those great or horrible places, depending on how you feel about them. Um, also, uh, thewheelreads at gmail.com is our email address. Go ahead and email us if you have any comments for me personally about how much you hate me or how much you love me. Either one. Um, I'll probably ignore both. Um, and then <laughs> thewheelreads.com is our website. Go check it out. You can find links to our merch. Nice there. Also, it's at the Great Light. It also redirects you to thegreatblight.com, which is a great place to find other content creators and a wiki as far as helping you move through, through the books or find tidbits about characters, whatever. Thegreatblight.com is a great place just to find that. How you can support us. Um, like I mentioned, merch, you can find that through our website. Also, Patreon. We do have a Patreon as well. Um, feel free to subscribe it's how you can actually listen to us live every week of course this week we opened everyone normally it's patreon only so um it's one dollar a month to listen to us live um other than that yeah come join discord too we have a good discord server i think we like 400 people are actually over that in there so um come here be active we'd love to talk to you um and hang out um other than that, just like, subscribe, share with your friends, and that's all I got for this week. Anything from you guys? Until next time. Thank you for listening to The Wheel of Reads. See y'all next time.